3: I'm funny, how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's fun. funny.
4: Oh, me sir! God damn it!
2: Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers gotta fuck.
4: We'll to the coast, we we'll get together, have a few laughs.
0: As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You Ever seen a grown man naked?
4: huckleberry my advice to you is to start drinking heavily put that coffee down well then this calls for the old billy barule that's a huge bitch the royal penis is clean your highness hey where are the white women at yippee ki motherfucker
0: It's over, Johnny.
4: It's over. <laughs> New, tank. Big sight. Yeah. New Hank. Big
0: can't play the whole song, we'll never get this motherfucker on YouTube if we do.
1: Nah. <laughs> uh-huh. We ain't trying to get sued. I and- <laughs> just wanted to give you a little glimpse of what we're going to be
5: tonight.
0: Yeah, tonight. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it in the background. We'll talk over it. That's right. It's Friday night. Once again, 11 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock my time. But we have Anthony. What's up, Anthony? What's
1: going on, Box? And Not we got much. a special guest with us tonight.
0: Uh-huh. We do. We have Kurt- Curtis with us tonight. What's up, man?
6: What the is at, man? What's going on, man?
5: <laughs> <laughs> Where the what white on, women man? at? Thanks
0: for joining us right. tonight, man. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Alright, so we were planning on talking about Juice and Tupac Shakur. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. This is going to be a good one, man. And I... uh Man, I hadn't seen Juice in a long time. It was good to get to watch it again, honestly.
1: Yes. And yeah. hopefully by the end of the night show, sure, we're going to find out who truly has the Juice.
0: <laughs> yeah, because Omar, oh, yeah. <laughs> Omar didn't want it, so somebody's got to take it. <laughs> Omar did not want the Juice. So you wanted to start with Juice, right? Yeah, let's start with Juice. Let's uh, start it.
1: Under, underrated. Very underrated, in my opinion.
0: Um, I think it was a little before its time, this kind of movie, maybe. Uh, yeah, I would really? say,
1: because it, it came out around the time, like you had New Jack City,
0: mm-hmm. Boys in the exactly. Hood. They
1: all kind of came out around came out around the same time, but Juice was one of the um, front runners.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, let's see, this was 1992. When 92. Was, yeah, when was all the other movies? Good question now.
6: Well, New Jack came out, the year prior, New Jack came out in
0: 91. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, so there's, yeah, yeah, it did. <clears throat> 91, so. But I, I, definitely an underrated movie. Not sure why it didn't, uh not
6: sure well, why it
0: didn't do great.
6: I think the reason why maybe it didn't have as much impact as like a New Jack City did mm-hmm. is because though it was, it, I mean, it had great storytelling. I mean, it really kind of was a launching pad for, you know, Tupac's acting career, as well as, you know, Omar Epps and young Omar Epps and Khalil Kane. But also, if you compare it to New Jack City, New Jack really tackled that societal issue that we were having with the crack epidemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was really blowing up in the black community, and they really tackled it. Yeah, exactly. As well as had a lot of breakout performances, you know, you had Wesley Snipes and Mm -hmm. I mean, the New Jack Swing movement was in there as well and everything. So, and plus, to me, that's like the most quotable movie of all time. I mean, that movie is full of like dope quotes.
5: So, I think along with
6: all of that, maybe that's why, um, you know, Juice really didn't get as much hype and as much praise as it could have because maybe it didn't tackle as many issues or have as much flash as Mm -hmm. New Jack did. But it was still great in its own right, though.
1: Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely.
0: definitely. And you know, to say it wasn't great is kind of you know, underselling the movie. The budget was yeah. 5 million. It grossed over 20 million in the United States. Yeah. It didn't do horrible. It's just I, I think it was I, I guess I don't know. There's so many more that came out after that that this one probably just doesn't get enough credit for that as yeah. being one lost. of the front runners in the uh, you know this this genre, this rap genre of yeah. movies. I don't know what to, I don't know what else to call it.
1: And plus, you have to look at it like any like anything. You have to have the benefit of hindsight to really appreciate what something was at the time. Juice came out. The four principles were relatively unknown. I mean, Tupac. I mean, he had one. He, his first album had came out, mm-hmm. but basically, he only was coming off of like Digital Underground and one album. Uh, exactly. Jermaine Huggy Hopkins. He was in Lean on Me. So I, he might, honestly, out of the four, he might have been the biggest "quote unquote" star of the four because he had prior experience working with Morgan Freeman and all that. Pac was basically right. just getting into the acting game. Omar Epps, I gotta check and, I gotta check his ID I think that might have been his first major role. So you were he dealing was. with a lot of unknowns at
0: the time. And that, let me tell you, Omar Epps, man, if if there was a football movie in the '90s, he was in it. The program. Yeah. any college or any football movie he was in higher learning college movie he was in the program he was in that's everything movie. yeah I love the program man I program, love movie. that movie yeah, that, yeah that's
1: going to come up on the show
0: oh hell yeah we're going to have to do that one one day ah, damn it. program Major League 2 yeah. he took over uh, Wesley Snipes' role in the first one
1: yeah so, and, uh, that, his role in, uh, uh, don't be honest, where he basically spoofed his role in how learning, was gold. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 I mean, that's... Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, he, yeah, that was funny. They even called him Malik. And One of those sh-
1: scenes, this is the boom. Tupac episode, but Omar Epps is another guy that kind of gets forgotten about, but, uh, he chops on him.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, he yeah. He, he definitely had a fucking, he, he had a probably a good enough career back then to where he doesn't have to work now very true oh don't forget love and basketball too oh yeah Mm. and a
1: house wasn't he on i didn't watch house like that he was on for the whole eight nine year running right
0: oh i didn't know that
1: Hmm. Yeah, he was one of the doctors i mean i I, i'm not a house fan so (laughs) please forgive me if anybody listening right now was a fan of the show He was on the show. I know he was on the show for, damn near the whole uh, run of the series, but I'm not sure if he was on it from the beginning.
0: Well, 174 episodes.
1: Oh. Bam. Mm
0: -hmm. Here you go. Yeah, that's a lot. He was also on a show called Resurrection. Yeah. TV show. Another another
1: flick. Uh, He was in the wood. That's very, I like that movie.
0: Yep. Yep. Dracula 2000. I'm just looking at what I've seen. Er, he did a. He was in Er for a little while. He, he yeah, this guy did some good shit, man. Yeah,
5: like I said, it's funny.
1: Like in doing this, uh, since we started this podcast, box, wouldn't you say you kind of great? You kind of um gained a new appreciation for uh, I guess the mid card of the movie industry is the best way I can put it. Guys that you 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 didn't see for years, but you're amazed when you really do your research and your mm-hmm. history up on them. They, wow, they did a lot of shit.
0: Yeah, and I never it's saw like, like McCall Pfeiffer.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Another guy, uh, Bokeem Woodbine pops up in a lot of shit.
0: Yeah, and we we've talked about him. I told you I think he's underrated. He was um, what was I? Wa- I was watching the big hit the other day, and mm-hmm. I fucking love that movie. Uh, uh what is it? Uh, a hundred thousand miles to Graceland or whatever. Yeah. I know you didn't see a box, but
1: Kurt, did you ever see a movie called Strapped? No. no. Oh, you? It's on YouTube, so I uh, look it up. It, it, it was actually okay. Bowe Kingwell his first flick. It was it started out on it was an HBO original movie and that that movie dope man. Gotta mm-hmm. check that shit out. I
0: agree. Yeah, this movie also had uh, Khalil Kane, who I remembered yep. from Renaissance Man with Danny DeVito and you know Kadeem Hardison and all them people, and yep. uh, Samuel Jackson was in this movie. Trip. A trip talking about the snappy <laughs> nappy dugout yes <laughs> that's what I, yeah, say <laughs> yeah. every time I think of this movie I think of that <laughs> line Well, I don't even know why you stayed around messing with her cause she had the snappy nappy duck da- the snappy nappy doggone. Okay, yeah,
1: that was a book of inspiration for the shucky ducky quack quack I guarantee you, if you ask him he probably said yeah I heard it there
0: well that's I mean he got the fucking can you dig it from the warriors Yep. so hey, he might be a film stealing motherfucker
1: yeah but uh what do you say guys let's get into juice 1992 okay overall thoughts awesome we're getting to the meat of the movie like like what do you, on a great on a scale of one to 10 what would you give
0: it oh i might have to i would go eight, eight? seven seven to seven to eight somewhere in there i'd definitely go eight yeah i'll give it a nine
1: point five. Matter of fact, I'm gonna give it a fuck that I'm gonna give it a perfect ten.
5: What? And I'll tell and I'll tell and I'll tell t- 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 t-
1: t- you why. Tupac's perform. I mean, everybody was good in the movie, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Tupac's performance, and especially for it being his first major role, was so. Fuck- by the, the end of this, this movie, role. you felt like he was a fucking psychopath.
0: Oh, dude, yeah. But I mean, really? I mean, he and he turned so quick. In yeah. this movie, he did really play. He had a career playing a psychopath. I hate to say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to the point where everybody. I mean, Kurt, you know where I'm going with this. I remember the yeah. uh, the famous Biggie interview where he basically said at one point, Pop just became bishop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he like in real life to the point where he just became bishop. <laughs> just, hmm. He could, he could
6: turn it on just like that, just like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, but yeah, the, uh, man, perfect ten.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you I know, was honestly this was the first time I saw the movie in a couple years. Mm-hmm. But I was like, it just from it, just took me there. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little biased because I'm such a pop fan, and we're on the twenty year mark of his death of his passing. Too damn young, by the way. But um, yeah, man, it, it, it's just like everything about the movie, the tone of it, just everything about it. At least for me personally, just kind of like fit. Perfect tone, perfect everything, nothing about the movie, looking back on it, just everything holds up well with
5: it,
0: yeah, I mean, the acting wasn't I mean, they were all so young, the acting wasn't spot on, but yeah they were I, I put it
1: to you like this for what they for the tone they were going for and the um the point they were trying to get across, it fit nobody right. like in I other mean, words, you felt like everybody played that role, you could picture them being like this in real life. Uh-huh. It wasn't over the top acting. True. You didn't feel like anybody was like out of place. If that makes sense. Like everybody kind of like. It, stayed it, in it the house.
0: Yeah, it was. And the ca- and you, like Curtis just said, the casting was good. And he's right. It was. It was really good. But um, <sighs> I don't know. I mean, do we just start getting into the movie now, I guess?
6: I mean, I say it like this. I, can't, I personally can't give it a 10 because I gave New Jack City a 10, so I kind of <laughs> got at least put it a couple of on under New Jack. But um, I feel where Ant coming from because they did such a great job with really showing the perspective of, you know, each of them, Bishop, Q, you know, Raheem, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, their life and where they were headed at, as far as, like, let's say Bishop. You know, he a guy, you know, had a great talent as far as DJing. And, yeah, he was a little lost out there, but he was really focused and driven, and he was really determined to make something out of himself with that gift.
5: Yeah. You see, yeah, it, I... from,
6: you see it from, um, I think I just said Bishop. You see it from Q. You mm-hmm. go to talk and you go to Bishop, and you see that at that particular point, they really don't divulge really much into really what happened with his life. Because you could tell by that point he really had kind of really given up, and at that point was just doing what he had to do to get by and to take care of his family. It almost cost him his life at one point when he was going to help old boy rob that liquor store, that bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they yeah. did a really great job of just showing it from everybody's
0: perspective. I yeah. just like that. And they had a short time to show Raheem. You know, just you know, not to spoil anything. Exactly. But uh, I mean, Raheem was killed early in the movie by Tupac's yeah. character. Uh, you know, so they didn't have much time, but I mean, you know, they immediately showed, you know, he was a father trying to, an Mm -hmm. immature father trying to act older than he was way over his head. But, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, they focused on, uh, I'd say the three more than they did, uh, steel was his name steel. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was was kind of like
1: that you could kind of tell, like, I don't know, man, the 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 way the the general gist of his character was, he was like borderline nerd cool if 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 that's the way I could best way I could describe him Mm -hmm. like he was cool enough to hang where they accepted him, but he was still like the nerd type where like he's still worried about getting in trouble like the scene oh y'all fucking up my parents' house I cook for y'all y'all fucking my shit up I gotta explain to my mama how y'all broke my vase you know it's (laughs) it was very old school box you know black family Mm -hmm. anybody that grew up in the seventies eighties towards the towards the end of the 80s into the 90s, everybody, every black family remembers mm-hmm. having the plastic all over the couch, Kurt?
6: All over the couch, yep. You can't touch shit? We <laughs> weren't even allowed to sit on the couch. That wasn't for you. You sat on the floor. The couch is just there for decoration. <laughs> you sat on the floor. That's for decoration and company. That's,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: That's, that's some boys yeah, in man. the hood shit right <laughs> yeah, there. I was
1: looking at that scene like, yeah, I remember them days. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm at the scene right now. You know, uh, you know, the, there were four of them in the movie. Obviously, that were best friends, and we were, you know, that, that, that's the the plot of the movie starts out with four best friends. I'm at the scene right now where they're in the record store stealing records.
6: Yeah,
0: yeah, that was that was hilarious. Yeah, epps is hitting on that girl who was who turns around and has the yeah. worst teeth. Yeah, I mean, she, girl, me, she
1: turned around, man. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, but, but I will say this: it starts off, and that that's kind of like I said once again why I give it the perfect ten because it starts off, and within the first half hour, they established that these four guys, lifelong friends, mm-hmm. and you can see like they cared about each other, right? They really exactly. did. Like, and you, and you, could, even though they didn't really get into it, you can kind of they kind of alluded to the fact that Bishop came from like a troubled past, like his father was z- zoned out in front of the TV or whatever, yeah. And mm-hmm. Bishop gave him a few dollars. Yeah, like, yeah. I right, yeah. take care, dad. So clearly, like, Bishop came from a broken situation where he was basically he had to uh, grow up faster than uh, he should have probably had to
5: because mm-hmm.
1: he didn't have anybody in his life. And and like, you kind of got the underlying sense that he they was his friends, They was his boys and he loved them. But it's like he wanted them to stay at his level. And like you can kind of tell, like yeah. like once again, it's the little things. I pay attention to the little things, and if you go back and look at Pox, like just his facial expressions, whenever somebody would talk about what they got going on outside of just hanging out and doing like little bullshit nickel and dime scans like they was doing,
5: yeah,
1: he would give them these looks, like, yeah, all right, <laughs> yeah, like like here, the like ones... the whole like the whole subplot that uh, my man just brought yeah, up with the DJ DJing
0: thing, mm-hmm. that
1: was his ticket out of that situation. And whenever he would talk about, like, I got shit to do, I got this contest coming up, popping, like, yeah, nigga, whatever, whatever, man.
0: Yeah, they would laugh at (laughs) him and be be like, "Uh, your appointment, this and that. But, uh, no, except
1: that, I don't know, um, I forgot his name. Who? Raheem, Raheem, Raheem. Raheem. He he did seem to kind of be like the level headed one where he would always kind of, even though he had like his situation with his baby mom and all that, when it came down to like brass tacks, he'd be like, yo, man, do your thing. Just meet us, hook up with us later.
0: Yeah. That's, so it seemed uh, like he was
1: like that kind of like level head. Like he was the, he was really kind of like the glue that kind of held shit
0: together. Yeah. He would fuck with them and then he'd walk out He'd be like, hey, Q, good luck. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, like know, that, yeah.
1: you could tell like he was like a real friend. Like he really like he respected what he was trying to do.
0: Yeah, he was breaking his balls like a friend does. And then, hey man, good luck. I hope you get that shit, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm actually at the part right now where, uh. Liz is robbing the bar. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There yep. you go.
6: And then that kind of leads to to me. I was telling Ant that in this movie, there's two scenes involving Pac where it really shows how powerful of an actor he is. Mm-hmm. That bar scene ends up leading to that little altercation between him and Q right. back at the house. And then there's another scene, one of the best ones with him, when he just randomly is behind that locker and mm-hmm. Q oh, just yeah, shifts yeah. the scene. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, oh, man, yeah. just just two powerful scenes where you knew, okay, Pot, Pot got it. Like, Pot got it. Like, it, it was great.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you're right. This is the turn in the movie. This scene. Exactly. And right after where, you know, Anthony was mentioned, oh, they're in the house breaking shit. Right after that, when they found out that, the, that Blizz got killed mm-hmm. in this, you know, with the showdown with the police, that is when he starts getting pissed. That's when you see it. That's when him and Q start fighting. That's when the shit turns in this movie.
1: And uh, and uh, I'm glad you kind of brought that scene up. Because basically, I can't remember exactly where, at what point it happened. But he brought he brought up the point that, um hey, we run from the cops. We run from Rodemez, And that's another dude we're going to talk about in a minute. They basically run from everybody. And you could just tell Pop, he was like one of those dudes that just like it kind of mirrored his real life. He was mm-hmm. very militant. He was very much... Don't let people walk all over you. Stand up for what you believe in, blah, blah, blah. And he was just tired of it because, like, in the beginning of the movie, it's established that he gets fucked with a lot. So you could kind of see, like, they were kind of like establishing that this is a guy that's on that brink. He's breaking. He's he's like, he's, he's like, tired. edge of going over the edge because they went, when Rodimaz was fucking with him,
5: mm-hmm. his
1: friends, initially, they kind of had his back because, like I said, in the beginning, that first half hour or so, they established that they look out for each other. Yeah. Now, once he started to kind of go off the deep end and they saw him getting his <laughs> shit, we got to leave this dude alone.
4: Well,
0: here. here What's you. this guy? Here. Give
4: a fuck. I think you're exaggerating. That's bullshit, man. What's this? What shit? We run from the cops. We run from Rodimaz. We run from security guards. We run from old man quills in this fucking bullshit store when he come with that bullshit gun. All he do is fucking run. feel like I'm on the goddamn track team. I'm serious. <laughs> there
0: you go that's this, this that's where he yep. turns right here is where the shit starts mm-hmm. getting really bad <clears throat> so and um i'm not sure if we
6: brought it up yet or not but an interesting um point about pocket at character. if you heard it, you remember pop was originally not supposed to probably was originally wasn't supposed to be in this movie mm-hmm he ended up being there because uh, you kind of see this person in the movie, actually Tretch from Naughty by Nature, was actually coming to the, the um, screening to do a reading. And he just happened to have Pac with him. And so, of course, the producers and directors saw Pac and they said, hey, would, would, you, would he like to read? And he ended up reading, and he wowed him so much, they said, hey, look, we, we want to offer him this role.
5: <laughs>
1: so, tre- so basically, so basically Tretch went from being the lead to Denzel's best friend.
6: <laughs> to be exactly. To be exactly. That was
1: that's what was originally for
6: Trench.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah. I do know that I do know that story, yeah.
0: Damn. Yeah. According to this, Omar uh Omar Epps stated in in an interview that Tupac actually wanted to stay in character so much during the mm-hmm. filming he would aggressively ask the cast and crew to call him Bishop instead of Tupac. <laughs> This is one of those, uh, like, fucking Daniel Day-Lewis kind of motherfuckers, dude. The method actors.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, and I, I think it's been denied since, but you hear stories back in the day, like, uh, Robert De Niro, when he would do certain roles where he would, his role would be, co- what call for him to like, have, like, a drug problem where he would literally do, like, cocaine or whatever the case may be because mm-hmm. he wanted to kind of yeah. feel, like, what it was like to be fucked up. Yeah. Just for the sake of the role.
5: hmm
0: yeah, which, I can, and, which I
1: can believe, you know, 70s and 80s was what Wild Wild was.
0: Yeah. So I can, believe, I can yeah. believe
1: it.
0: Yeah, and we can't go too far without reminding people, Queen Latifah had a role in this movie also. Shout
6: out to Queen. Yes, sir. Yes.
0: Very early movie role for her. Uh, I, I, I actually saw this in the movie theater when I was uh, oh in, really in North Carolina. I saw this. In, let's see. This was wow. 92. I was 75, 85. I was 17, I was 17 years old, so yeah. I wow. actually I just moved to Florida, so I saw this in Florida. Damn! How wow. did I fucking make it out of the theater? Really though.
1: No. <laughs> well, well, box. Let me ask you. This. You know, since we since you said you saw this in the movies, right? Mm-hmm. This came out in '92. Yep. yep. Now, like as I mentioned earlier, nobody in the uh, movie really was a big time star at the time. Mm-hmm. So, at that time, take us back to '92 for you. What compelled you to go? Hmm, this looks interesting.
0: Uh, I guess Tupac was in it. Oh, get the fucking echo off your computer. God damn it. Still getting it. All right. Anyway, I'm going to keep talking. Yeah, I'm still getting it. Actually, worse. <laughs> <laughs> ah, THT, motherfuckers. Sorry, uh, folks. Audio problems like a motherfucker. I'm not sure what made me go see it. I really don't remember. But um, I did remember. I do remember seeing this in the movie theater. I don't remember seeing a lot of movies in the theater, but this one I remember. Uh, fuck, I remember seeing E.T. in the movie theaters. I don't like the movie theater very much. But this one I saw in the theaters. Uh, it it might have been just the fact that all the DJ and scratching was in this movie. And that's might have been why I went and saw yeah. it because I always be a fan of fucking DJs and shit. So,
1: oh yes, And it, yeah, and I, and I I gotta point out um since we brought up Queen Latifah, uh, mm-hmm. you may not give a fuck about this one box, ah. but remember when uh you had a uh, yeah Q standing in line waiting for his audition, mm-hmm. and uh, they kick out uh Flex Alexander, Flex Washington,
0: <laughs> a young yeah.
1: Flex, yeah, young Flex Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking priceless. Oh, <laughs>
0: I do, and he, I'm, I'm flex. What the fuck? And, he's like,
1: <laughs> and like he he saved now, so just to hear him cursing like that back in the day cracked me up personally. <laughs> I I never knew,
0: I, I didn't even know. Is he a famous DJ or something? No, he's not a famous. He's an actor. Oh, I've never he's known him. I did, I never knew who he was. Yeah, he's another
1: guy. Like he started out on, I uh, did like little, minimal roles like this, and then he. Actually, he's uh he actually did the stand-up comedian thing for a little while because he was on yep. early episodes of Def Comedy Jam. If he was watching that back in the day, yeah, it and he was and he did um this this is a very obscure box. You may not even remember this, Kurt. You remember hanging with um homeboys from outer space? He was on homeboys in outer
6: space. What you talking about on UPN? Yeah, buddy. Yo,
1: UPN. Yeah. As a matter of
6: fact, he was in yeah, one of my yeah. favorite movies with Cadeem and um, um, the Sixth Man with him
0: and um, Wall of White. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. Oh, my God. Did I just yep. admit I've seen that movie? Shit. All right.
1: yeah. <laughs> and plus, like, he was like no, anybody that follows, like, nah, I didn't follow his career like that. But he had some fucked up hairstyles in, like, the early to mid-90s. So when he cut nah, that shit dude. off, it was like, man, yeah, you made a good call. I think he was trying to kind of like, it seemed like early on he was just trying to hijack um kid look with the high-top fade, except he had his in dreads. Yep. It just, it wasn't working. Nah, <laughs>
0: Damn. Wasn't working.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some things you just got to let go. So finally he
0: made the wise move and chopped that shit off. Yeah. yeah. And you can, um, let's see. Weaves is putting out, as he usually does, some some knowledge on the movie. Uh, let's see. The movie was filmed in 1991. Daryl Mitchell, Treat Money B, and Donald Faison had auditioned for the role of Roland Bishop, Tupac accompanied Money B to the audition and was asked to read. Tupac received the role of Roland Bishop after throwing a chair. (laughs) Trench (laughs) and... Treach and face and landed cameo roles as rival gang member and a high school student. Mm -hmm. So, damn. Yeah, Donald Faison, another guy. Tupac was a bad motherfucker, dude.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and honestly, that's what they, you know, they don't do that no more, but... That method acting is what gets you jobs, you know. Not the sidetrack, but uh the story goes that uh Judd Nelson got the role of uh, in the Breakfast Club because he basically went in there and he was an asshole. He basically he almost got to the point where he almost got fired or they almost told him to leave. But Whoa. then John Hughes definitely said, No, this he's perfect. Yeah, I, he like and that kind of commitment to the role, like how he was dressed in the movie.
0: Yeah. it's how he showed up to the audition. Oh, I mean, you know, like uh, Jim Carrey for Man on the Moon. They said he was being rude to people and on the cast and just in that character the whole time. You got Daniel Day-Lewis, who they said was totally freaky on in Gangs of New York because he wouldn't get out of that goddamn butcher role. You know, it, some people just stay in that fucking character, man. So, you know, it's good on some people and it's not. Jim Carrey had a hard time getting out of that role, too.
1: Yeah, it's just all about. It's like it's walking a fine line.
0: Mm-hmm. Like if you if you if you believe
1: that you're good enough, and some people, like I said, some people can go in there and be good enough where they can pull that kind of thing off. But then it's like you kind of gotta like weigh the pros and cons of the situation. Like, mm-hmm. hmm, how far can I push this? You gotta know how to push it far enough, but not too far. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Oh. I got gotcha. you. Uh, let's see. Yeah, right now I'm pretty much at the part where he's, uh, he's go- about to go to his audition the next day. We're actually about to get the part with Queen Latifah that we just talked about in the movie where I'm at right now.
1: Yeah, if you got that clip,
0: let's uh, just play that for some laughs. I can get it right, oh, right there, hold on. Hold,
4: here we go. Queen ain't good enough. My name is Flex. look. look, look. You look like Gumby. You talking about I ain't good enough? I mean exactly what I said. You need more experience, all right? You need to work on your mixing more. What you mean? Fuck is wrong with my mix? Wait, I know you didn't just snap that. What is my? What's wrong with my mix? Look, the shit is totally sloppy. (laughs) sloppy. Only a fool would open up the way you do. Nobody likes the records that you play, play. play. all right? It's just completely whack. Face it, face it. uh, uh, Fuck you! Well, you might have a chance if this <laughs> shit
0: wasn't so small. <laughs> next! Oh, don't you love going in next after that just happened? <laughs> but, yeah, uh who's next? It wasn't me standing here in line. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, but, yeah, another great... uh th- That was another good part, man. Like, I, I watched this movie today, but... I'll watch it again. This is one, if it's ever on cable, I'm going to stop and watch it.
6: I got it on DVD. Oh, do you? Yes. That was sir. one of the first movies I added to my collection. I got it on DVD.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and obviously this movie is set in New York. I don't know if we've mentioned that yet. This is obviously a New York City Harlem movie. So, you know, that's uh, that was a huge scene for these DJs back then, man huge scene for them it still is New York is still a great place to fucking get noticed in music so alright where are we at here where are we at alright alright so they're coming out he just got the scene now this is what we need to talk about this is also where it starts going bad the crew as they call themselves the four of them are called the wrecking crew this crew decides uh like bishop was saying we run from the old man in the bodega when he comes out with his bullshit gun well yes. they decide they are going to rob the uh the bodega and the guy who runs yes. it so
1: yes and this was precipitated by the fact that we should backtrack a little bit mm-hmm. the guy that that got that that died was their friend blizzard and originally, he had invited them to join in, but mm-hmm. they said, no, nah, everybody except Tupac. And his whole argument was if we was there, he wouldn't have got killed. But nah, they would have got killed. Because <laughs> yeah. what, uh, what did you tell them?
0: Oh, don't, don't expect me to say
2: that shit. Instead of wanting. Yeah, I don't exactly. fucking expect me to exactly. say that.
6: Exactly.
0: Go ahead, guys.
1: You
6: know, no, but uh, also with because, that, let's
1: be you, honest. I mean, that situation was what it was, even though it was a funny scene. He basically yeah. said, Take your because you look good. That was hilarious. That was, <laughs> I don't know that guy. Like, I wish I had that who the guy who played Blizzard because he should have got more roles based off of that line alone.
0: That was hilarious. <laughs> All right. I'll go back.
1: No, but yeah. that's basically what participate, um, participated them. uh wanting to do the big robbery.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, hold on a sec here.
4: All right, everybody, put your hands in the air and face the fucking ball. shit. Don't look at me, goddammit. Hey, yo, Q, you want a piece of this? Nah, man, I'm all right. right, everybody. Shit, take your fucking clothes off. Hurry up. You look good.
0: There you <laughs> go.
1: Yeah, it's so like I said. This, like I said, this has some undercover savage
0: moments in this flick. As completely, you know, obviously it's a brutal scene and he's robbing a store, but goddamn, that was funny. <laughs> you Man, let me would... ask you, like, what do you
1: think Do you think they balanced it right with the comedy and the seriousness? Because it just seemed like at certain points they were kind of like, no matter when a scene got too heavy, they were kind of throwing a little bit of uh, a few elements of comedy just to kind of like bring you bring you back down a little bit. Like an emotional kind of
6: cut it a little bit.
0: Ah, so you're saying they threw a little message in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then back to the comedy. Okay. Uh, it was a good. I mean, there wasn't a. If you think about it, how many really funny lines were in this movie? It it, it took a, started taking a serious turn right around the forty you know forty minutes when they decide there really are robbing this bodega. And also, they're also going to do this on the same night that uh, Omar Epps has a DJ competition. Yeah. So, you know, there's another, you know, thing, another hurdle for them to get over. But um, I guess we need to get into the robbery because that's where the movie really goes bad. This is with another. There's a lot of. Um, how do you say it? pivotal scenes in this movie where Oh yeah. Yeah. Very you know, they, where they take a lot of turns. It it, it go you know, mm-hmm. it goes from bad to worse to holy shit to oh my God, this is like as bad as it can ever get. Yes. So And this
6: is where Raheem's life really kinda of starts to change too. I mean not just as far as you know of course you kinda of know what happens to him towards mm-hmm. the end. He ends up dying, but you start to see where even a good guy can kind of get caught up by his circumstance and make a bad decision, and it ends up costing him. I mean, by all, you know, everything you see in the movie, right? he's a really good guy. He's the best out of them, and it's the most mature, but he's also somebody who, like you said, has a child. You know, he wants to do better, but his circumstances aren't letting him. And then It's another pivotal scene in there, too, where he sees his baby's mom's mother with this other guy who has a nice father, like he has a nice job, why well, he's kind of out, you know, and he really doesn't have much of anything.
5: Yeah, and I really think that, that
6: yeah. led to him, you know, making that decision to look. No, hey, I'm a good guy. I'm trying, but hey, I I need to come up on a break. I need a break. And what made him go ahead and make that decision to go along with that idea, of Robert? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Damn, Anthony, you got to fix that fucking echo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, Kurt, you're, you're 100% correct, yeah, there's just so many, it's 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 kind of a weird movie where there are a lot of those moments that just kind of take the whole fucking movie over. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, twist, it, it twists it, okay, you know, it, like I was saying, it goes from bad to worse really fast, but it explains why it's bad, and those are the points that they show you, Um Obviously, like I was saying before, the night they decide to rob this bodega is the same night that uh, Q, Omar Epp's character in the movie, is going to be DJing in a competition. Yes. So they're going to kind of use the competition as an alibi, you know, which is what they were planning. Let him go up in between sets. They're going to go rob the store, which actually isn't a bad plan. <laughs> no. Actually, not smart. it is but obviously uh something goes wrong when they go to do this uh somehow steel says one of their names and bishop obviously tupac's character ends up shooting the clerk uh, in the head kills him and they run and you guys can uh go ahead and jump in here and Tell me what you remember from here.
1: They run, and that's kind of where they kind of, like, go to, like, a, I guess, like, under an abandoned building, apartment building, mm-hmm. and they kind of get into an argument about everything. And that's when the movie, you know, like you guys were talking about earlier, it takes a big-time turn. Mm-hmm. Because I think Raheem, this is the part where basically Raheem gets killed.
2: Right. And, like, right.
1: he's trying to be, like, the level head, calm everybody down, and he basically said, well, Fats, Tupac was over here in his Eloquent way he said, Bats over here said your name," mm-hmm. so it was only a matter of time before the co- it got back around to us. Which he had a point. To a you know he had a point, but it's like he did kind of overreact, blowing the guy's brains out. Because if he hadn't killed him, that was like a domino effect. Mm-hmm. He killed the guy, and that kind of indirectly led to Raheem and Paco on in that rampage, killing everybody.
0: Right. Yeah. And
1: <laughs> I think when they got into it, and uh, Kurt, you can back me up on this. I don't think Raheem honestly thought he would kill him. Because this is somebody he grew up with, somebody he knew. No. He knew he had like a short fuse. He, but we all got he friends was like, shot up. that short fuse. But you never think it's going to lead to that. No, in
6: fact, he was absolutely shocked by how um, Bishop reacted to him. So you remember, you know, the idea was, hey, you know, okay, look, we got to dish the gun. Hey, you know, Bishop, give me the gun. And he told him no. He said, what? He said, no, look, I'm holding on to this until I think so. He was like, oh, yeah, give me the gun. And he wouldn't. You could see it on right in his face. He was like, what the? F-? And that's when he ended up scratching
1: yeah. and that's where they're getting shot yeah. and it's mm-hmm. kind of funny not, not funny nobody getting shot is funny but like if you kind of backtrack a little bit when um the gun was first introduced um basically um they everybody agreed except Omar that uh, Bishop was gonna hold on to the gun and he kind of looked like why he get to hold on to the gun so that was yeah. kind of like a little foreshadowing cause even I guess like in the back of his mind they kind of they planted that seed that Omar was like I don't think that's a good idea
3: and well, then, he, like, I guess, like,
1: at the time, maybe, like, um, Raheem probably wasn't thinking straight. Like, not thinking straight, but he just figured, it's one of the homies, like, let's defuse, no drama, blah, blah, just let him hold the gun, it'd be cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if you go back to that yeah. scene, like, that was kind of like a little bit of foreshadowing when they did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely was. But, uh, yeah. yeah, and, you know, yeah. like you guys were saying, that they... <sighs> fucking Echo. Anthony, keep talking. Uh, Keep talking, Anthony.
1: Uh What uh, uh, Kurt? Let me ask you this for a What did you think about Steele's performance? Like, uh, cause they they were trying to give him like that dramatic edge, like halfway through the movie, like he just seemed to be like an emotional mess. The, like the last half hour yeah. of the movie, all you see is him crying. What did you think of that?
6: Well, well, it's kind of like I said in the beginning. His whole character to me, he he's just everybody got that guy in the crew. He don't really talk much, but he's just a cool cat. He's a cool cat. He's down. And he's the kind of cat that you keep around. But in the scene that we were just talking about, you really see where he kinda takes a turn too and you realize why he really isn't he's the homie but he's not up there with them because he is weak. You start with this scene where he was pretty much a blabbering, slobbering fool by the end of it. He was crying all over himself. You know, and really he's pretty much terrified for the whole rest of the movie. Which, you know, if I had a crazy Tupac run around with a gun and I didn't know where he was, I'd be terrified too. <laughs> but um yeah, yeah. But the other half of the movie, where he really kind of got to show a lot of his emotion and whatnot, I think. Um, God, I keep forgetting the guy's name who plays. Him. Um,
0: Jermaine Huggy Hodgkin, Hopkins. Yes. Jermaine,
6: yeah. He, he he did a really good job. He did a really good job, you know, in really exhibiting that you know emotion that he was having and how conflicted he was. But yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. and uh, and uh, he kind of played he kind of played a pivotal role as we. You know, near the end of the movie, he had yeah. played a pivotal role in like really kind of tying everything together. Because if you think about it, Raheem died. So literally the mm-hmm. only link to Tupac and the murders were Q and uh, fucking uh, Steel.
5: Mm-hmm. So yes. that's
1: why he kind of went on that rampage because he, he kind of like, like I said, once again, you kind of slowly saw his like mental capacity just shrink and shrink and shrink. Like he was starting to get more, he was getting progressively paranoid
0: he was kind of like the mob boss it, it it you know you could you could probably almost tie this back to goodfellas when uh jimmy started getting rid of anybody who knew about cut latanza cutting ties yeah. cutting ties with anybody who knew about latanza that could tie it back to him so that's kind of what it was like he was getting scared but even more than getting scared his balls were getting bigger
1: That fucking gun, that's what changed
0: him. Mm Mm-hmm. His balls were getting bigger, and that's kind of another thing that they were kind of showing in this part of them. And, and, And that, you know, from the time he killed Raheem, they were showing his balls getting bigger. Even in the scene after when they pick him up, the cops pick all of them up. Just the way Tupac is talking to the cops like he don't give a fuck... He's 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 smoking a cigarette, chilling, joking with the cops, saying he was down there getting a piece of ass and joking and shit. Boom, immediately almost like psychotic behavior.
1: Yeah, and still, like I said, it was a funny scene, but he was he was cracking. And And that's why, like I said, you know, I thankfully never been arrested, but you obviously whenever it's a situation like that. The cop. That's why the cops they want to divide and conquer, cause mm-hmm. they know it's always gonna be that one cool cat that kind of keeps his composure, keep his story mm-hmm. straight, and it's always gonna be that one brother or that one whoever. Race is really not an issue, but it's always that one person in the crew that that's gonna crack under pressure. Oh, it's that weak yep. link, dude. They always it's, look And like for you can just tell, like cops knew they was man. It was like they treated oh, him like oh. a born baby. They was breaking him down, man.
0: Oh, they have actually right now. That's the part I'm on where they're screaming and yelling at him and. <laughs> I mean, god damn, they're just... I mean, but that's what cops do. Oh, oh, yep, he's writing up the statement right now. We know everything that happened. Just tell us. Tell us if we're right. As soon as they say that, they don't know shit. Shut your fucking mouth and ask for a goddamn lawyer. <laughs> god damn it, watch the first 48. Don't say shit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah... But immediately, you know, Bishop starts showing that uh, that psychotic behavior. That you can say what you want, I don't give a fuck. But more that you can just see the sociopath that in him coming out in this part.
1: No, and uh, once think- again, the, the sociopath really kind of came out at Raheem's funeral, or I guess it might have been the wake.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: That that was uh yeah. man, mm-hmm. me and Kurt was talking about this earlier, man, but that yeah. was for me, that was another scene that really kinda hit me. Ooh. Because how you gonna be, you know, you showing up hugging a sister, yeah. hugging the family and a mama. Yeah. You know, I got anything, anything you need, and then it's like knowing what he did. And it was that one scene where he had eye contact with Q.
5: Mm hmm.
0: Like Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that scene up. I, number one, that's actually the scene that I just jumped to. And mm-hmm. uh number two, that that I was gonna bring that up how powerful yeah you just have to realize how powerful that scene was for this movie Mm -hmm. you know he's sitting there he's you know if there's any you know me and him personally to me he was like my brother you know he's telling the mother this and q notice right when he walks up you can see q he takes three or four steps back immediately like he doesn't even want to be in the immediate space that this guy is in. Yeah, because it's like he was waiting for that thunderbolt to come, like, no, he was like, yeah, you know what, that's, there you go, he was waiting for that fucking thunderbolt to come down, that's probably what it was, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a powerful moment in the movie, and obviously you see, you know, the his, you know, his son's mother is sitting there crying, and it's 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 a tough moment, and then, you know, Tupac comes in, and just makes it completely uncomfortable. And that when they when those two from across the room, Q and uh, Bishop, lock eyes, it is pretty fucking creepy, man. You get that kind of feeling, like oh shit, it's gonna go down. Yeah,
1: cause I you know, and you know, this is still on the subject of Tupac, and, I, and maybe. Just getting older in perspective, but, um, you know, and like doing some research and looking up some things and some clips and pictures to use for the show and promote the show. Looking at old pictures of Pop, he really, his eyes did a lot of the talking for him.
5: Hmm. Like if you look at old yeah. pictures
1: and you just look at his eyes, his eyes said a whole lot without him having to say a word. Yeah. Like he really, he really, he really has expressive eyes and a lot of his like expression, you could just like tell like where he was coming from, like where, what emotion he was trying to feel. He was trying to make you feel just if you just paid attention to his eyes. Yeah. Well,
6: exactly. If you remember, and plus, Pot came from that background. I mean, he was a visual arts, drama-type student growing up. So, I mean, he learned mm-hmm. how to emote really well and how to act and everything from there, too.
0: Would have been a great wrestler. Here. Here we go. <laughs> I'll actually do this. Here we go. Take care of that. Okay,
5: Excuse
0: just- me.
4: Remember me, Miss Porter? Roland Bishop?
5: Yes, Roland. Thanks for coming.
4: You don't have to thank me for that. I mean, Raheem was one of my best friends. It's really nice to see people come together like this when something bad happens, you know? I yes. mean, personally for me, though, Ryeem was like my brother. I mean, he was more than a brother. I mean, we did everything together. Just kicking it every day. Yes. If there's anything I can do, just let me know. Mm.
0: And right in the hug is when they lock eyes right here, which makes it more creepy. You know, he's sitting there hugging the person's mother he just killed as he's locking eyes with the guy who knows he killed him. Basically, that's where you're supposed to. I believe in this movie you're supposed to think right then and there is where he decided Q's got to go. Yep. I think that's probably my opinion of this part, but
1: no, that's a good observation because mm-hmm. I think honestly to take it back a step further, foreshadowing the moment he killed Raheem, mm-hmm. and like I said, you don't have you don't have to be like a psych major. He analyzed that situation point. Pop just seems like he his move, especially his role in this movie. It just seemed like he was street smart. He observed everybody and he was probably looking at the reactions and he probably knew from that moment. The moment he killed Raheem and he looking, he got Steel over here. He's a blubbering mess. He can't keep his shit together.
5: Right. He
1: was probably borderline because he could keep his shit together, but you never know how, you know, he might crack that famous scene from Goodfellow. I don't know about you sometimes, Henry. You look like you might crack under pressure. You never know.
0: <laughs> Henry, That's yeah, fuck think, you, Henry. He,
1: he decided at that point that, oh, you, you, y'all got to go. Fucking you know,
0: head yeah, yeah, and and right after you can kind of see Q. I, I know we're using their movie names, but fuck it, it's easier. Q kind of starts right then and there trying to cut ties with them. Uh, yeah. You know, he's even. Uh, Q, uh, Bishop comes by his house and he does, you know, he grabs his brother, say, you know, don't tell him I'm here anymore, don't go to the door, don't even talk to him anymore. He's immediately trying to cut ties and see if maybe just that'll, you know, back him off because he knows that uh, Bishop's going crazy in this in this movie. Yeah, they like,
6: even, you know, saw, just they just even saw, even um, still, Bishop about to get jumped by that rival gang and then took a step back and ran off and didn't even help him.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, and, you know, that, that's the next scene. Let's get into that fucking scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Go ahead, Bottom man. Is. You started. Keep going. Yeah, basically, well, yeah.
1: Rodimaz, I and I'll be honest, I, I kind of cheered when Rodimaz got his because he was established pretty much early on as an asshole. So I, I was actually kind of <laughs> glad that he got took out the game. I'm sorry. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, fuck.
0: All right, you're right. I, I kind of did too. But real quick, right before that scene is the one where they're in school and... uh The locker. The locker.
1: Yeah, yeah, we gotta hear this. We can't <laughs> gloss over Let's, that scene. Uh,
0: that's another. Yeah, that's another scene. I, I could play it. I guess I could. Hold on, let me see here. Where am I at here? Ooh.
4: What's up? I ain't seen in a couple days what's been happening. Man, get off that shit. It's over. It ain't nothing nobody can do about it now. What do you want from me, man? Nothing. Just came to see if you was alright. See how you been doing. Well, I... Ain't, I ain't talked to nobody, alright? I know. Cool. Always will be. I just came to see what's up. Let me tell you something, B. I'm only playing your fucking game because ain't shit else to do. But don't you ever pull a gun on me again in your life hope I won't have. To. Yeah, we all go down if you do cuz we all crew. Just try me if you think I'm bullshit.
0: <laughs> oh that laugh. Hold on a second here. That yeah. fucking Tupac <laughs> laugh is yep. scary. iconic.
1: I mean me and Kurt, I mean scary. I know Bob's ain't really a yep. hip hop fan, but Pop, remember Kurt, he always
0: would break that laugh out. Yeah, and yep. remember, I it, it it look I I might not really you know enjoy rap music, but like I've said before, Tupac had words to say in his music. He didn't just come out and you know shoehorn rhymes in Tupac had no. words tupac had and, and anthony when me and you talked off air about this last week, you even said it he had poetry in his songs in his music, oh, yeah. and I agree he had words. And something to say, and it wasn't just nonsensical rhyming. I really enjoyed listening to Tupac because it it wasn't just bullshit. He had words. Everything had meaning. Everything had some meaning in his songs. Thank you, Curtis. He could
1: justify, like I said, you know, we'll get into that in the second half of the show once we wrap up with Juice. But Mm -hmm. just to piggyback off of what you were saying, Box, not only did he have intelligent things to say in his lyrics, he could also justify them in interviews. Right and this is like yeah. a point that i wanted to really get across that obviously when we get into like the discussion of tupac's overall persona good bad and ugly we're not going to just focus on it. because i'm a fan but i'm not immune to the negatives of the man but if you really listen to what when he was like focused and when you came at him with uh well you say x y and z on this record he would justify it and break it down mm-hmm. like in other words a lot of people will say, "Well, homophobic lyrics." I'm um, not homophobic, but I'm um, misogynistic. That's the word I was looking for. Bitches and hoes. No, we're not calling. I'm not calling all women bitches and hoes. But the fact of the matter is, there are bitches and hoes out there. Yep. <laughs> you know that there are bitches and hoes out there.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like I'm breaking it down. Like so, when I write about when I write a song like "Dear Mama" or uh, "Keep Your Head Up," I'm the, I'm the dedicating that song to the women that's a, that's like my mom, my sister, my aunts. The positive women out here that's doing something. When I do, I get around. Those are the women I encounter on the road. These are women that fucking, there are some women out here that take pleasure in fucking a man's life up. Which is true. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, like, other women know that there are women out there like that. Mm-hmm. They say it louder than us men sometimes, but we'll say that for the uh, second half of the show. Uh, yeah. I just had to get that out.
0: Yeah, we're yeah. not going to spend much more time on Juice. Honestly, there's only 30 minutes of the movie left, and we're not going to spend that much time on it. Uh, we're, we're, we're going through this movie actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. you want to hear any more of this scene, or you want to, uh... Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, just, the, uh, Pox, he has a memorable quote in there. Oh, well, let me go back Right after bit. the laugh, yeah. you
0: can, if you had a pause. up. I that. didn't, I didn't. Fuck, give me two seconds here. I'm backing up right now.
1: But, uh, Kurt, uh, man, like, would you say, uh, a lot of Pox's philosophy was kind of like, the groundwork was laid in this movie? In terms of how he kind of, like, looked at life? <laughs>
6: I think so. At least a a small, you know, aspect of it, as far as just not backing down and just not being afraid. Um, kind of alluded to the whole just not running anymore that he was kind of alluding to. Kind
1: of yeah. that.
6: Yeah, because I kind of say like what you
1: kind of like had brought up earlier about uh when he got the gun, his his balls got bigger. We should kind of like establish that his character really was never tra- he never really was portrayed as a punk, so to speak. His he just got more confidence. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's kind of like had, kind of pretty much from the get go. They kind of established that this was a bad motherfucker. He just kind of like, yeah, you know, he just kind of went through some he, shit. He was never afraid
6: or a punk or anything like that, but he just ended up in circumstances where he kind of got ran over a like, lot. And yeah, so I mean, when you yeah, got yeah, that, yeah, gun, if it's one nigga
1: to 50, 50 dudes, yeah, you kind of got to back yeah, up, exactly. And so that's the big part about having
6: that gun. I think when he finally, when he got that gun in his hands, he finally felt powerful. For the first time, he felt like he didn't have to run. He felt strong. He felt protected. He felt like, okay, like, I got the juice now. With this gun, that's what I got. I don't have to fear anybody anymore. And that's when you see him kind of really start turning and getting kind of crazy and, you know, getting more tough because he had that weapon. Mm Yeah,
5: because
1: I look at it like this. Like, you look at a riding mask, for example. That, to me, like, I'm not speaking on a... Man in real life. I'm talking about his character. Obviously, yeah. that's the guy when he was around his crew, when he knew he had people to back him up, he had balls the size of fucking watermelons. But when they yeah. got into that altercation the second time and he ran, and I, I mean clearly Pac had the gun on him, so carefully. I got a one gun one on though. Skin. I mean I
6: would have ran but too.
1: You, but you kind of saw you kind of saw that look in his <laughs> like, oh shit. I fuck with the wrong dude. But by then it was too late. Yeah. So you yeah, that yeah. kind of told me, like, even if even if the gun wasn't involved in a one-on-one situation, he still would've bitched out.
0: Probably. Probably. Uh, Oh, by the way, I got it back where we needed to be. (laughs)
1: My
4: man.
0: God, that laugh is good.
4: Look at this. The brother finally decides to stand up like a man and throw down. Too bad Raheem had to die first, huh? It's over. Everything starts from now. We all go down unless we stay together. Ain't no one man above the crew. You know that shit. No, I, I know what line you're talking about. Crazy, man. Right here. Right, right here. here. Mm-hmm. You know what? When you said that last time, I was kind of tripping, right? But now, you're right. I am crazy. Yeah, crazy. But you know what else? No, what I don't give a. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a
5: fuck.
4: Mm. I don't give a fuck about you. I don't give a fuck about Steel, and I don't give a fuck about Raheem either. I don't give a fuck about myself. Look, I ain't shit. I ain't never gonna be shit. And you less of a man than me. So as soon as I decide that you ain't gonna be shit, wow. So Damn. be it. You remember that, motherfucker? Cause I'm the one y'all need to be worried about. Yeah, man. I,
1: I, I don't. I don't give a fuck. Ten. That line, that that scene right there reaffirmed why I gave this shit a perfect ten. I mean, that that. I mean, come on. The, re- the realism in that fucking scene right there. Come on, man.
0: Yeah, I, and you know, two lines kind of make it right there. The, the. Yeah, I'm crazy, and I don't give a fuck. And the. Not only do I not give a fuck about you, but I don't give a fuck about myself. Myself. That's somebody who, in their mind, has nothing left to lose, and is the scariest motherfucker in the world right now, in my opinion.
1: He, check, he checked out on life at that point. That's then,
0: it. Fuck, that's it. If when you don't care if you live or die, you're a dangerous motherfucker.
1: That's power. Like honestly, I mean, honestly, if you want complete power in this world, just stop giving a fuck, and that's power.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, unfortunately, well, you have to, you, sometimes you're going to have to put yourself in there, and, I mean...
1: I mean, yeah, it. you got to deal with the consequences and not give them a fuck, but that's, I'm just...
0: That's the big thing, yeah. You have to do that.
5: <clears throat>
0: but, uh, you know, after... The, I, I guess we can, let's continue with the movie, or are we... What's up?
1: I could just speed up. Uh, I guess we can kind of, like, speed it up, because we're at the
0: end real well, quick. Well, I was going to get to the Rodimaz, yeah. where, he, where he does kill Rodamez because that's right now okay yeah uh, he, uh you know uh, after that it turns out where uh next thing you know Tupac is uh Tupac's character is in playing video games in Samuel Jackson trip in his place and Radamez comes and finds him because he finds out that Pac implicated him in Raheem's death yep and sent the cops after yep. him so, this is another another one of those pivotal points in the movie we can talk about. Uh, this is definitely another one. Rodamez is up in his face, screaming and yelling at him. And he looks out of the corner of his eye. And he sees Q and Steel walking. And immediately, usually, he'll get bigger balls and start talking more shit. Because he knows he, they got his back. This time... Uh-uh. They walk away. Ah. Yep, not this time. They walk. They <laughs> turn and run and walk away from them. Yep, and and once, once again, it,
1: I mean, honestly, WWE creative needs to watch this fucking movie sometimes. <laughs> and, and pay attention to like this is how you establish character consistency. Because once again take you back to the beginning of the movie when he got into it with Rodamez, he kind of like was not not scared but he kind of like was smart and realizing that like I got five or six dudes and it's, mm-hmm. I'm just me so I can't talk too much shit yeah but when you see his guy when he, when he sees his boys walking up it's like oh his balls got big as shit cause he knew like they was gonna help him
0: yeah and he also knew he had that gun so when Rodimaz finally does pull the knife exactly. and stick it in his nose he immediately reaches in his boot for that gun uh, cops come, they break it up. When they run, and you know, in between that scene, Omar Epps knows that he, he knows Tupac's psalm, so he's yep. starting to get more scared. Uh, in the, they switch back, and they're all running from the cops. And Tupac ends up running, and says, "Hey, I think I think we got away from him." Boom. Yeah. Em- like, empty's like five, six shots into him. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey,
1: that's when you know you
0: hate a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, <when> you empty? <laughs> when you, damn. Like, you
1: know I'm just, I'm just making sure he did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he ends up killing Rodemus too. What you do find out a little later, though, uh, is that he's gonna eventually try to set up Q in this movie for this. For all these murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, just trying to try and get himself out of it. So, But we also have to remember... the Q goes and gets a gun. Because this is actually another message... In the movie. That we probably need to mention. He does go get a gun. But where does that gun end up... Before the meeting? In Re- the um, river. In the in river. Powerful moment yeah. in the movie. He doesn't need a gun... It was kind of the it was it, it was kind of a Friday moment. You don't need a gun when you got these two fists. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: and uh, I, I guess since we're kind of nearing the end, I do kind of want to do a throwback mm-hmm. to kind of establish this character that we haven't mentioned yet. But uh, two uh not two uh, Q has something on the side. Remember the married woman, who by the way was fine for 1992. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh Lord, and that was enough That was a funny scene that uh that they had with the ex-husband yeah he was trying to clown i mean that was that i mean once again that was one of those little elements of humor that they kind of brought to the movie to kind of like give you a break from the you know the violence and getting people getting uh, people's heads blown off. that was another one of those scenes that was like kind of like once again funny
0: yeah yeah that was uh cindy heron by the way playing that part yeah, he, but when he goes in, the guy is kind of uh breaking his balls. And A dick. He's like, yeah, Q, huh? What happened to real names? And then he's like, well, my real name is Quincy, and I don't really like that name. And the guy's like, so Quincy. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I, I kind of loved how he was breaking his balls and trying to come at the fact that,
1: yeah, he dumb. He just wanted him street names. And then, like he said, no, my real name is Quincy, you know, the, uh but I prefer I prefer Q, you know, like a nickname or an abbreviation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he started to break me like Nigga, I'm educated. I went to school. I'm going to school now. <laughs> like just cause don't let don't let it fool you.
5: Yeah. But I do exactly. kind of like the
1: fact how he kind of got him back. Like once his uh ex, his ex wife kind of kicked him out. Like what you doing with this kid, man? What is he even here for? Bye. Ugh. Next thing you know, <laughs> woo. That's when they got down to business, and I'm like, yep, yep. That's what happened when you talk all that shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. Now, he does kill Rodamez. And after that is yet another pivotal scene in this movie. Because uh, we all, you know, like we said before, he's starting to think it's time to cut ties with some of the people that know about this. And mm-hmm. he catches Steele coming into his apartment and catches him by himself and lures him out into an alley and we all know what happens here right
5: yeah
0: Mm. yeah
1: because apparently and i guess like to uh set like set people up for what we're talking about here apparently like uh pop was at the uh pool hall you know just playing games you know fucking around and still supposed to meet him so, but, so apparently, uh, still what he did was did the whole deal where he kind of avoided them, you know, and went home late hoping he would forget about it and just kind of like move on. Mm-hmm. But then once again, Pop being that creepy motherfucker comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Oh, what's up? What happened to you early? I thought we were supposed to hang out. Yeah. And then, he, and then that's kind of like, he took him back down to the, uh, pool hall and then, uh, still, uh, does the phone call. Right. To you. Like, and he says, you know, I'm scared. Can you come and get me? Once again, that was it was a bitch move, but I could understand where he was coming from. Because he knew, he already knew. The minute fucking Steel I mean, the minute Pac was at his house, he knew that yep. if he went out with this boy, he wasn't coming back.
4: Well
0: yep. and if you follow his character, he was scared from the time Raheem got shot. The from the time Raheem got shot, he was scared throughout this whole movie. Yep. You know, and that's what his character was. The scared Kid of the bunch he was obviously the the younger one of the bunch, kind of the one they were trying to you know uh, i don't know take care of, but you know he was the younger one of the in the crew and but he was scared throughout this whole movie. he knew he knew Bishop had gone fucking crazy and was deathly scared of the guy, and rightly so and rightly so. Uh, because once, you know, once after the phone call, he knew. Because, uh, he was obviously on the phone with Q, and Q didn't answer, hung up. Right after that, he goes out, boom, he shoots steel. And, uh, you know, even says, you know, hey, you just ain't crew no more. Matter of fact, it's right here. I can, uh, if you kind of talk for a minute, I'll be right at that scene. Here we go, actually, I'm right here now.
4: where? You on cue? You ain't cue no more. See? That's what it's all about. See how scared you are? Don't you get tired of this shit? What the fuck you want from me? Nothing. Nothing.
0: Boom. Damn. And you know what? I'm going to pause it because I... Kind of want to play this scene too because this is where he starts setting up, getting rid of Q too. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a couple minutes, a minute or two of this scene because some of it's got nothing to do with it. But uh, it sets it up. I know
1: what you're coming from. Now. I know where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, it definitely sets up the next scene. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's always easier to do a a, a, a the clip than to just uh, talk about it. So. Give it a minute. He'll start talking in a minute here.
5: Yeah.
4: Here we go. Seeing Q around? Mm-hmm. Something I can do, you? Watch that nigga, man. He on some shit. I don't know what's wrong with him. He ain't been acting like himself lately. I mean, it kind of hurt me because we've been best friends since we was in the second grade. Did you know that? And I try to talk to him. He don't even hear me. He's gone. I mean, I could look out for myself, but... Man, I don't know what he might do to steal. The way he's been acting lately. He's my man and everything, but... uh, do him in if I have to. Hard enough. All right. Yeah. So we
0: implicated him already in steel. I don't know what he might do to steel, and I know he's my man, but I'll do him in if I have to.
1: And it's kind of weird because you know, telegraph, telephone, tell a nigga because it's like that scene <laughs> where a uh, steel comes <laughs> shot and he survives. Could he, could he no, I'm just saying it is what it is. You know? Come on, come on, Kurt. You know, you know where I'm coming from on this, man. Stop you know where I'm coming from because. The, the i'm so the glad door.
0: you guys are on here that's all the i'm gonna <laughs> say
1: that's why that's part of the reason why i had kurt on the line because i know you might feel like a little like oh and i can't i can't help you on this part of the convo but um <laughs> the, the scene was still when he kind of survived mm-hmm. we find out that he did survive right
0: yes he does but when
1: he gets up and like uh, i guess at some point he kind of passed out in the street and somebody called the ambulance yeah. They pick him up, and you mm-hmm. see the part where Q kind of run up on it and He runs up too late. And all of a sudden, you start to see the crowd start to point and go. Mm-hmm.
0: So apparently,
1: like, Samuel, Sam Jackson's character put the word out on the street that you really? do to watch out for Q.
0: Well, I mean, Samuel Sem- Sem- Jackson in this movie was the guy who knew everything. I mean, Q got the, 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 the DJ audition, the and meeting. before he got – told anybody. He was walking away, and Samuel Jackson knew, and he's like, hey, I hear things, I hear things. You know. So, yeah, obviously he knew everything. But, uh, yeah, luckily in this movie, Steele did survive. Yeah. Uh, But that's actually an important point, because he ends up at the hospital, where... Q's girlfriend we were talking about earlier works. So she finds out what happened and luckily that's that is going to q- clear Q when he finally gets caught up with the police. So but he doesn't know that.
1: Yeah, so, so I guess apparent I guess that's one of those instances where he may he may be uh show mercy cuz it was his friend he just kind of shot him once and said yeah, I'll leave him alone because I I knew him at one point. And as weird as that is to say, with Rodemz it was personal because he didn't like him, so that's why he gave him them extra rounds. Mm-hmm. But with Steele, he might have just said, you know what, bang, and just left him there to die. Yeah, yeah. Which is I which obviously led to his undoing because he didn't make sure he was fucking dead.
0: Right, right, uh, exactly. So after that, he runs down, and of course, where do they go? Q runs to Sam Jackson. To get a message to Bishop, because Sam Jackson, as usual, is the motherfucking man in this movie, and
1: it's kind of funny because I think even uh, even um, Spike Lee made a joke about it, like early in his career. I guess when he was working his way up from, the, I guess like the uh, okay. jobber status, mm-hmm. it was Sam Jackson. But all of a sudden, once he started to be in major motion pictures, it was Samuel. Samuel. <laughs> Samuel <L. Jackson. laughs> like this. This. I want to point out. This is during the Sam Jackson era of his career. Bro,
0: wait a minute. You know who else did that shit? <laughs> watch. Okay. L- watch Boys in the Hood. Lawrence Fishburne uh-huh. is Larry Fishburne. Yeah, yeah, and then you oh, go to oh, the movie. Right. Yep, and then you go to the the movie Deep Cover, and it's Lawrence Fishburne. Hey, he
1: was starring hey, in that motherfucker. Now. That's why
0: <laughs> <laughs> he got into it. But meanwhile, both great movies, Boys <laughs> in the Hood and yeah, Deep Cover, movie. badass movies.
5: Hey, we're
1: not making fun, yeah. but we just had to point out, hey, like, once you blow up in life, you got to kind of, like, change your status. You got to incorporate that middle initial, that middle name. Yeah, you got to yeah, use your full you. name. I'm no longer Curtis. It's like Curtis W. Watch the second. That's what it's going to say on my credit.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's face <laughs> it. Most guys' names Larry are Lawrence, but they don't go by Lawrence. They're Larry. So, yeah. you know. No big deal. But yeah, I mean, he was Larry Fishburne in one movie, Lawrence Fishburne in the other. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah. But, <laughs> but, um, but uh,
1: I do, I, you know, since we kind of at that scene, I guess like initially uh, when uh, uh, Q approached Sam Jackson, kind of uh, Sam kind of looked at him sideways a little bit because of what Bishop just told him. Right. But because he said, well, what you talking about? You know me since I was a kid. Dude, I've known a lot of killers since they was kids.
0: Yes. But yep. I think
1: at some point I don't once again, I pay attention to like people's eyes and like you could just kind of tell like the way he looked at Bishop and the way he looked at Q like he probably was prone more to believe Q more maybe cuz he has known all of these people since they was kids. And it's kind of like he... I guess like when you kind of like establish that type of history, you can kind of tell who's going to grow up to be like a de- a relatively decent human being and who's going to be fucked up. Yeah. So I, and I think that he kind of like saw like oh Q, like yeah he's a good kid overall he he's into some sideways shit sometimes but I can tell that Bishop kid is a fucked up kid
5: because mm-hmm. he really looked
1: at Bishop like eh,
6: like he really like okay but I'm not sure if I'm
1: really buying this shit from you. But, you can tell he wasn't he wasn't really kind of co signing yeah
0: yeah he was uh kind of not sure who to believe at that point. Um, but I guess, yeah, this is basically, I mean, we've covered it. We get to the end, the end scene of the movie now where, uh, damn, I'm at the end. Shit. I can give me a second. I'll actually play right when, uh, you know, obviously Omar Ebs had put out where for, for them to meet somewhere behind a bus station or a diner and, uh, He's waiting for him, and suddenly he comes out of the shadows. Tupac, a great scene, really good scene. And uh, here we go. Instead of me talking about it, here.
4: What's up, partner? Don't fucking move. Mr. Gun, heard you cop the piece from Sweets today.
0: We did mention that piece was in the river, but he'll tell you in a second.
4: I come here for that shit. Give me that bullshit. Yo, check this here, man. I'm not you. We've been tight since the second grade, that's true, but I'm not you. You want the gun? I threw it in the river. stupid motherfucker. Come on, man, all this shit ain't worth it, man. Yo, you might get me now, but sooner or later it's gonna come back to you. Nah, brother, you got it wrong. See, this is your gun, Q. You was coming to get me. Just like you got Raheem, Rodimaz, Quill ass, and still. I was just the only one man enough to take it from you. Self-defense nigga. Come on, Bishop, man. Let's cut out all this bullshit, man. We can end it right here. It's me and you, Q and Bishop. You ain't gotta put on no front for me, man. Nah. I ain't got to do nothing. You the past, bro. My time is now.
1: You think think Cena did a running? Do you think that's where John Cena got it from? Oh God, help <laughs> me. God help me! If John Cena got that from Tupac, I swear. I swear to Anthony,
0: no lie. When I heard him say it, I said, "Did John Cena copy that shit?" I, mean, I
1: heard that early. I'm thinking, like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pac, but if he influenced John Cena, i I might have to. He might lose some cool points with oh, me. You, A couple, no, you can't here. do
0: nothing about that, dude.
1: I know, but still, come on, man. <laughs>
0: By the way, I want to say Tupac is the worst shot in the world in this movie. Horrible. <laughs> horrible, horrible. I would. I mean, Omar Epps takes one out of the. And by the way, he had. They never showed him getting bullets for this gun, yet it shot about nine times, and it was a fucking thirty-eight revolver <laughs> six
1: shot. I guess that's one of those situations where, with movies, you kind of got to like give him like a little creative leeway. <laughs> With movies, you have to, to figure them.
0: they edit out the reload. That's what I always figure. Up, oh, they yeah, edit yeah. out the reload. No problem. No problem. <laughs> just a just a just a co- completely bullshit part of the movie. Uh, Q ends up running after they start arguing after that part that I just played, and they end up in an elevator. Woo. And this is where you know how fucking crazy Bishop Bishop has gone, because yeah. and I'll play that part actually too. Because Q just gets a little ball suddenly and says... Hold on here. They're in the elevator. Looks around.
2: Elevates. What fuck are you going to
4: do, shoot me in the elevator?
0: I think he <laughs> answered your question, sir. Are you going to like, shoot me much. in an elevator? Yes,
1: I'm going to fucking shoot you in an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because at that point, I'm like... This dude has already established that he don't give a fuck about too much of anything. Right. He don't give a fuck about knowing you since second grade. Mm-hmm. Since he done killed other people he didn't know in grade.
0: <laughs> right. Now, we do have to mention after that part, the gun got knocked on the ground after they got out of the elevator and taken. So now it it is just man-to-man, no gun involved anymore. Yeah. Uh, they end up on a roof of a building... Fuck it. They end up on the roof of a crack house. <laughs> a crack building. Fighting. Yes. And, uh, you know, Omar Ebbs ends up getting the best of them. And, uh... Gets one good punch in. Ends up knocking Tupac off the building. Grabs his hand for a minute or two. Can't hold on. And Bishop ends up falling off the building. So...
1: No. <laughs> Now, let me ask you, in a situation like that, because there was a lot of symbolism.
5: Because
1: mm-hmm. that building they were fighting on top of, you know, if you remember earlier in the movie when uh, the cops kind of broke up their uh, little uh, hangout spot at ah. Sam mm-hmm. Jackson, and they ran from, they jumped from that high oh. rise to the low top building. So I thought that was like a little bit of symbolism going on there.
0: Wow, look at you. I didn't even notice that.
1: Yeah, but and I'm just thinking, like, it was kind of weird because I guess at that, I guess it was like a split second situation where, like you said, he kind of gave him one good punch. He felt falls off the roof and he grabs him real quick. And I guess like real quick, those emotions of like knowing this dude for that long kind of comes back. And, yeah. and like really, cause I guess he realized at that point, cause he don't know still survive yet. Right. So he's thinking like the day if he lets this dude die, literally he went from having all of these friends to like he the last one standing. So in that split second decision, in that moment. How would you guys react? Would you say to the guy, or would you be like, fuck it, you got to go?
6: I, I would have dropped that motherfucker. That ain't even a question. <laughs> Immediately. I mean, it, I probably would have said a cold-ass line right before I dropped him.
0: If I had seen sit, all sit, the sit, people behind like me, I, I probably would have acted like I was trying to save him.
2: <laughs> 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 no. <laughs>
0: I'm like, yeah, no, 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 I got you, I got you. I got, oh, 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 nope, I don't no got shit. you, I don't got you. You, <laughs>
1: you would have been that takeaway, motherfucker, oops.
0: Yep, there you go, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, after he drops them, I guess we can go ahead and get to the, the most powerful line of the movie, right here.
4: Yep. Just now,
0: man. Oh, we talked over it. God damn it. Now I gotta fucking mute it for a second.
1: Yeah, man. Powerful. Message?
0: <laughs> Message? <laughs> here, here we go.
4: I can't believe you just did that.
0: <laughs> Hold on a minute, Smark. We'll get to you in a second, bro.
1: We'll get you in a minute, bro.
0: Crank this part. Go.
4: No. Got
0: the juice now, man. And he just looks at him, looks down, shakes his head. No, he doesn't want the juice. Hmm. It's not about that. Yes. Not uh, about uh, that. So that's yeah, it. I, and of course, the movie ends strong, with Tupac <laughs> yelling, There you go. Man, my ends. friends,
1: is Juice. And, if, and just in case, because there might be somebody listening going, what the fuck? Why did they call it Juice? And what was it juice is a metaphor for a gun, just to give people a perspective on why they called it Juice. Juice is the gun. Gun is Juice.
0: Message. <laughs> Message. Good fucking movie, though, man. Great see, uh, fucking all jokes, movie.
1: Uh, great fucking movie, man. Definitely.
0: Great movie.
2: And we got uh Smarky Smart on the phone. What's up, Smart? What's going on? I, I was a little bit disappointed that uh, you know, it took me about an hour, hour ten in before I realized that this would not in fact be the biography of Who, and Who Guerrero. But <laughs> outside of that, it was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck
4: you, Smart.
0: I didn't put the juice. I just put juice. Wrong juice. I Wrong didn't juice. want to confuse anybody. That's why I didn't put the word the. You fuck. That was fucking good shit, man. Oh, that
1: was hilarious, Mark.
0: Thank you.
1: For just a couple seconds, I was like, what the
0: fuck is he?
6: Oh. I mean, but you can still enjoy that juice on the WWE Network for only nine ninety nine. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh. Looks like Brock Lesnar is still enjoying that juice, if you know what I mean.
1: Whoa! <laughs>
0: He's so... enjoying
1: that Cooch juice right about now. Oh,
0: mm-hmm. lucky man, lucky man. Uh, and, you know, before we finish the movie Juice, uh, I, I'm, well, since we're kind of, you know, we're, we're going to do a little bit of Tupac after this. Do you want to take a break and then do the Tupac thing, or do you want to just. Go ahead. Well, and we, can get take a, we can
1: take a break, but uh, you know, give everybody a chance to decompress
0: and uh, uh, yeah. kind
1: of like you know, piss. Uh, but yeah, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and get into the uh, Tupac tribute portion of the program.
2: Yeah. Uh, before we do that, Mark, are you calling to talk about the movie or just hang with us? Um, I actually think I didn't see the movie, but I think I'd probably be a lot more useful to you guys for the upcoming segment. Okay, then just hang with us.
1: Great. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Hang out.
2: All right. Then uh, give me two seconds here. Let me get the
0: playlist going. And I'll get the work out of here. All right. We will be back in, I don't know. Five, back. ten minutes. We'll be yeah, you know, we'll be back. Yeah, Eventually. We'll, we'll be back, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll you, be you,
1: back. Box yeah. will be back. Smark will be back. Yeah. Kurt, will you be back? I got you.
5: I got you. All right, so
1: we'll yeah. be back a little bit. I'm going to take a piss. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. Goddammit, Hendry, take a fucking piss already.
5: Pull club. Pass.
0: Four. that.
4: Change? Shit. I guess change is good for any of us. Whatever it takes for any of y'all niggas to get up out the hood. Shit, I'm with you. I ain't mad at you. Got number love for you. Do you think one? Yeah. All the homies that I ain't talking about. Wow. Alright. If you can't tell, we're back.
0: Alright. Sorry about that a little break had to be taken. Some people had a pee, some people had Skype issues, and some people yeah. hung out here the whole time. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. A, a <laughs> Skype
1: can suck my left dick. Seriously, I'm not, I don't even say mm. that in a joking way.
0: <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that one out, dude. But, uh, guess, guess what happens
1: when you get pissed off sometimes and you say random shit. <laughs> you, lose, you lose control of yourself. I don't know if you've ever been that angry
0: boss, but oh, you know, oh, yeah, oh, I've been angry oh, yeah. Where I've made no sense, I, I I think I got punched for it. Actually, <laughs> All right. let me ask you,
1: Box. Well, I guess when we get back into the uh, Tupac tribute, were you sober at the time or were you fucked up? No, I'm
0: fucking never sober. Jesus Christ! All right, uh, no, I was pretty fucked up.
1: Yeah, because um, I was I actually had one of those moments. Uh, obviously, Labor Day was a few days ago,
0: and uh,
1: my buddies decided to have it would be a good idea to have like a three day house party and literally so from friday to sunday somebody was fucked up off of something nice so yeah so like saturday was my turn and uh, let me tell you something uh, i don't know if any of you guys ever played beer pong but man the shit got serious <laughs> <laughs>
0: i have not played beer pong
1: <laughs> and, and and you know what didn't finally did me in mm-hmm. when uh the last thing i remember was we did like a tag team edition and
0: um, why does this not surprise me, Teddy say, Long?
1: Uh, I, let's just say I was the HBK of the team and I had to carry it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was fucked up by the end.
0: Yeah. Fucking Teddy uh-huh. fucking Teddy Long over here making fucking tag team matches. <laughs> Either that or you're going to go one-on-one with The Undertaker. <laughs> All right. All right. You guys wanted to get into some Tupac. I've gotta admit I'm not gonna have a lot to say on this. I did enjoy his music, but uh I probably can assume you guys have a lot more to say. So guys, the show is yours.
1: Oh, he's turning over the keys to the kingdom. Thank you, boxman.
0: Well, I've got the key in my you know, in my mouse hand, but uh Go ahead.
1: Well, one of my favorite verses: June sixteenth, nineteen seventy-one. Mama gave birth to a hell-raising, heavenly son, and with that, Tupac was born to the born into the world. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I had to start off with a verse. I didn't want to go. Hey. Gotta start off with a verse, man.
0: That was nice. That was nice. It was pretty. I liked it. It was good. It was good.
1: But uh, serious. I mean, you know, I'm a little bit biased because I'm a heart. I'm, I'm a Tupac fan. Uh, he was. He had uh many different sides to the man. Some good, some bad. But uh, I'm gonna uh turn the floor over to my homie here for a minute, Curtis. What are you? What are your uh, Tupac memories? Are you were you? Did you grow up a big time fan, or did you become a fan later? In, later on, like post death, or where do you stand on the uh, Tupac debate?
6: I mean, I always grew up a fan of them, but I think when you're younger, maybe you're just enjoying the music. But when you get older, you really start to appreciate the lyrics and you can really kind of analyze them a lot more. Um, with the exception of how somebody may feel about the B.I.G., you know, this whole issue with B.I.G. Yeah. That's a whole different topic, so I kind of exclude that one. But I think, to me, the best way to describe Pac, and this is just me, is just real and authentic. Pac was Pac. Yeah, he had a lot of different styles to him, and they kind of hear he all of them throughout his music. I mean, he was just like you know he anybody was back in the day. You know, he was really down for the cause as far as the advancement well in African Americans, his brothers and his sisters, and he was always there to uplift and motivate. You know, whether you heard it through, you know like you said, keep your head up. Or Brenda's got a baby. You know, one of my personal favorites was his changes. He was always trying to bring awareness and bring education and motivation to our people. But, I mean, with that, you had the, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that, but you had the ladies' man part. You had the, you know, are you still down, you know, the how do you want it, you know, those kind of lyrics and those kind of songs. And then you also had, you know, the don't fuck with me, you know, I'm pissed off, you really don't want to mess with me right now, kind of hit them up, Pot. You had the reflective part, you know, shed so many tears, I ain't mad at you, you know, staring at the world through my review. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorite.
1: Oh yeah, stand up to my review, man.
6: Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and and I'll say this: like, obviously, his you know his mother who uh, recently passed the passed away. I finished. Yeah. More, she was a Black Panther, so that's uh, kind of like where mm-hmm. Pac got his militant side. And I and yes. I, I want to point one thing out: Pac was always like militant and you know all about the cause and always like bringing awareness, mm-hmm. just in general, just not not just to the black cause. But just in general, but I also want to point out he really didn't go off the rails and get with the and uh, go crazy with the negativity until he hooked up with no. Death Row. Like after he got exactly. shot the first time, and he kind of like people got in his ear like Bad Boy and Biggie and all this shit. That's when he kind of kind of veered off to like the negative shit. So I kind of want to point that out. Exactly. Like, He didn't really get hardcore negative until like the last year or so of his life which is what people want to tend to focus on. But I'm saying you got to look at a lot of early Pac and really kind of get a full scope of the man.
6: Exactly, exactly. And I think his greatest testament and me and you kind of hit on it because it's not a lot of artists nowadays who got it. Pac was a grinder. Pac was a dude who got in the studio and he, in and out the studio, wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, and when he got to that studio, he handled business. There's a lot of different footage of Pops being in the studio on his own or being in there with, you know, yeah. different label makers. Tell them, hey, look, when we come in here, we, we work, we grind. We knock these lyrics out so we can go ahead and get it to us and go ahead and mix it and we get this music out. We push. Yeah. He was serious about not wasting time and getting a lot of people said a lot of that was him, especially towards the later years. He kind of always had a feeling he would go young. So yeah. he kind of wanted to hear you push out as much music as possible. But... He was a grinder. He was grinding. Oh, yeah, he took his yeah art definitely, serious. definitely.
0: Okay, I gotta ask something. Tupac is a guy that has mm-hmm. albums coming out to this day. Mm-hmm. Is this? Is he the next Elvis? And do you think he might still be alive? i'm
6: i'm probably the wrong one to ask because i got my feelings about elvis so i let somebody else who kind of knows elvis you know
0: like oh well i'm i'm a huge elvis fan and i'm i'm i say he is dead i'm gonna say (laughs) did i'm gonna
1: and and i'm I'm gonna uh, jump in here and i'm glad you brought up that point box Mm -hmm. um i had a teacher in high school (laughs) crazy old you know crazy old white dude no disrespect to crazy old white dude (laughs) But, um,
2: thank you. Um, thank you thank
1: I you mean, he was kind of like very crazy and very kind of like off the wall but every now and then he would kind of hit you with some knowledge that stays with you and it was mm-hmm. right around the time 9-11 went down and he always he, he he says something that stuck with me to this very day he basically said whenever some shit goes down that's like that kind of like is uh impactful to like the world at large you'll always remember where you were and the mm-hmm. day Kennedy got shot, he said he re- he'll he never forget the day he was in a bar getting his hair cut. Uh-huh. And the ba- based on the shape of his head, it looks like he had, like, that mo from the Three Stooges kind of bowl cut. But uh, that's another story. <laughs> but uh, I-, I say that because I remember the exact moment. I remember what I was doing mm-hmm. when I got the news that Pac died. Mm-hmm. My aunt my aunt told me, of all people, you know, just sorry to break the news. Because, cause, like, this is 96, so I was, like, I had worn out. About two or three copies of fucking All Eyes on Me, cause I had to cassette. I had, I had literally ran through. That's how much I was playing that album. Uh, and uh, I remember what I was doing. I was listening to the uh, radio. I was sitting on the floor, and and when she got, it was like a ton of bricks hit me. Like seriously, I didn't know the man personally, but that's how big of a fan. That's how deeply I felt when I found out that he was gone. Mm-hmm. So when the rumor started to circulate, and this goes back as early as like ninety seven, ninety eight. That he was alive. He's in Cuba and all this crazy shit. And I wanted to believe that he was somehow still alive until his mother kind of came out and made a statement. Mm. And it kind of, like, made me believe that, like, the man's gone. Mm. She said, I love my son dearly and nobody wishes he was here more than me. But y'all know Tupac. He, My son, I love him dearly, but he likes to fucking talk a lot. <laughs> Do you honestly think that if he was alive, <laughs> that he would be silent?
0: Oh, you got but this fucking long. Well, you she, was, I'm, I'm, you know, no. she
1: didn't use the language, but she basically said, like, come on now. Like, if he was really alive, do you think he'd be quiet?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And you're right. He did love that. She's right. He did love to talk. Look at all his fucking interviews and stuff. So definitely correct there. So. All right. So Tupac, probably not the uh, next Elvis real quick before we get too far. Uh, 216 area code who we got here.
3: Uh, you know who it is. What's up? This is Bobby. Oh, what's up, Bobby? Bobby,
0: what's going on, man? Going
3: on? All right, I had to call in. Anthony prompted me to call in, so I had to. Call in. <laughs> I appreciate you, Bobby. Yeah. You know,
1: I know you said you know you want to kind of do the uh, counterpoints here, but I uh, appreciate you mm. for calling in. and just for the support in general that you get to the show, man. Seriously,
0: definitely.
3: Man. Oh man, yeah, I love you guys. You're like brothers. I, I can see you like brothers. I don't call in a lot, but you know, you know you're, you're like brothers to me. So if I can help promote the show as much as I can, I'm gonna do that, you know? Thanks,
0: man. We appreciate so, everything.
3: Definitely. So...
1: What you got for us, Bob?
3: Well, uh, you know, I, I, to make it clear, I don't wanna, I'm not, I don't wanna come with, like, a counterpoint to anything as far as Tupac goes. I, I do think, uh, without, I'll, I'll, I'll say that I was never, uh, a big Tupac fan. Really. You know? To, to be honest, and I know that's probably a big surprise to a lot of people because I'm <laughs> hip hop through and through, but I've never really been a fan of the man's music. Um, I think I really kind of understand why, for me, his music never really spoke to me, you know? Um, for one, I mean, yeah, I came up, I'll say that, uh, I came up staying out of trouble as much as I could, you know? Um, the streets were there. You know, I'm, I'm I'm from a not so nice area. The streets were there, but I stayed out of trouble. Um, so a lot of his harder stuff didn't appeal to me like it did to a lot of my friends who decided to get into a lot of trouble. You know, um, okay. what I appreciate about Tupac, what I really appreciate about him. Oh, and I should say also, uh, before I really get too into it, um I'm not going to go real deep into my history, but I'm not just some dude who's talking about this stuff. I'm actually kind of, without getting too deep into it, I actually do have some ties kind of to the music industry. I have kind of a a history, and I'm a little bit older than you guys. So, you know, um, I know some things. I know some people, um, or I knew some people. Um, I of, did not know. Kind of I want to say I I never knew Tupac. I never knew Tupac personally. I might have met him at some point, but I'm not really clear. I don't know, Um but I do or I did know some people who did know him personally. Okay. And um so so I'm not just saying like he Tupac didn't live the life that he portrayed. He did like his image was not the life that he lived, you know. Um and, and it's, it's it's true and I'm I'm not like, like I'm not I don't want to say this is a negative thing and I want to make this clear. I'm sorry if I'm kind of like stuttering and stammering and not being clear. Oh, you're but, um, I want, I want to make it clear that I'm not being negative. I don't want to you know, I want to come off positive uh, cuz the man did some good, believe me. He provided a voice to the voiceless. Uh, and a face to the faceless. He did that. He knew how to market himself, um, and that was it. That was what he was doing. He knew how to market himself. He knew how to. He knew what he wanted to be seen as. So that was the image that he created for himself. Tupac wasn't a rapper who started acting; he was an actor who could rap. Hmm. A lot of That's people cool. don't really. A lot of people don't really realize that, and it was brilliant. He knew how to market himself. I'm, I'm not gonna talk negative on him for for being like a lot of people would say that's fake, but whatever. You know, a lot of who cares? You know how many rappers are fake? <laughs> you know, most of them. The 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 ones who are real suck. The one, the rappers who are real are shitty. That's yeah, that how you know the real it. ones. <laughs> you know they have no talent. That's
1: true shit right there, man.
3: <laughs>
1: so um.
3: But yeah, um he he I'll say this, he he put out the thug image because well number one, it was marketable and um number two, he was he wanted he, he wanted to reach that audience. He wanted that audience to relate to him and they did. So many people are like, Oh, Pac is so real, he's real. I'm like, No, you're not really but he he reached them and made made The people in the street who didn't have a voice feel like he was that real so that he could hit them with positive messages here and there because he had a lot of positive songs like you guys were saying. So he was able to do that. Uh, with all that being said, me personally, his music just didn't, it just didn't do it for me, but I damn sure respect what the man was able to achieve and uh yeah, and,
1: and, uh, yeah I, I didn't mean to cut you off bob but to your point about the uh, music because uh me and curtis was uh, actually talking about this earlier and uh, and I, I can honestly get where people are coming from because there's obviously you know different levels to hip-hop in terms of uh vocals in terms of lyricism in terms of messages and all that and in terms of like overall appeal pop was more of a spoken word poet is the best word is the best way i can describe yes. it. he's a spoken word yeah. poet oh he he basically read poetry over beats Whereas yeah, Biggie yeah. was like more of a pure lyricist, so if you ask me, oh, yeah. who was the better between them lyrically? I gotta go with Big. But in you terms of just like, is, like I said, okay. Pac, just like like you okay. said, but maybe it was maybe the aura he portrayed, he put out put out there. But hey, he was a hell of a marketer. He knew how to market himself oh, to yeah. his core audience. Well, hell
6: yeah. yeah, And it wasn't just but also. A... Go, ahead, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, go ahead, Kirk. You, oh, know, no, you we, we
6: don't want to take over. No, the time. I, I was going to say to his point, what he was saying about the um the life that Pac was trying to portray, um you know during Death Row, that thuggish, you know really gang banging type lifestyle. There's a lot of people who believe that that was really his downfall when he decided to go ahead yeah. and try to live that life and try yeah. to bang like that. And you know, yeah. me personally, when people ask me you know, how do you feel what happened with Pac, I really do feel like he made his demise when he got into it with some guys at that casino. When he yeah. got into it with some real with some real thugs, with some real bangers, and yeah. he paid the price yeah. for it. Yeah, he paid Absolutely. the price
1: honestly when he's like even like, you know, like not to go off on too much of a tangent, but everybody from Ice T, you know, who obviously really did fuck with that lifestyle. Nah. Yeah. he said he, as much respect as he had for pop as in terms of mc and, and the lyricist he basically said the minute he hooked up with death row and started wearing going to l you know la mm-hmm. and rocking red Crips yeah. and, and all that yeah. throwing shit up like throwing up gang that. signs because even pop early yeah. in his career basically said before he kind of got into the rap game he sold drugs but the problem was he sucked as a drug dealer but the drug dealers yeah. liked him so they always kind of looked out for him and say hey, look dude we're gonna we're gonna sponsor you but this this ain't the life for you. You 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 good with mm-hmm. the school. You smart. You an intelligent dude. You can do the hip hop thing. Yeah. But the, the street life ain't for you. So to his credit, <laughs> Pop did kind of put it out there that he sucked at, like in terms of being like a criminal. He did put it
3: out that there. Very true. <laughs>
5: yeah.
3: and you know what he used to. He did say um, more often in the beginning. He would say that he he would make it clear that he's not a gangster. He can he he would say that he's a thug, which. Really, he wasn't even much of a thug, but he presented, you know, he represented the thugs, you know. He did he did actually become somewhat of a thug, but yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. He, he just, he wasn't the criminal type, but he did, uh, again, I, I, I never had a conversation with the man. Uh, I don't think I've ever met him, but everybody who did would say the same thing about him. The man was incredibly charming. Incredibly charismatic, and he 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 drew you in, you know. Everybody who met the dude, you know, you could not argue that he was just—he was a good dude, you know.
1: Exactly. I mean, fuck. He had Madonna fucking uh, strung out on fucking uh, David Letterman when they was messing around <laughs> with each other for a
0: minute. <laughs> so yeah, he came off hey. as a very intelligent guy, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: Smart. Were you about to say something? Yeah, I just want to jump in real quick and kind of have the question out there for everybody. We already kind of talked about this. Um, Bob, I think you were mentioning that there was a lot of people who could relate to him. I also think what might be interesting is, like, I, he, I think he helped spread the message of, like, what was going on in the streets or, you know, for other people in yeah. the, in his community. Like you said, a voice of the voiceless For people who didn't understand, like, what was going on at the time, you know, I think that was important as well, because there's a lot of people who didn't necessarily realize what was going on or might not have been able to experience it or hear about those stories, you know, in any other way. Like, I would say for me personally, I grew up in kind of a, you know, middle class, a little bit sheltered. You know, it is what it is, white neighborhood, white culture, that kind of thing. And I got to learn about things that I wouldn't have, you know, necessarily been privy to without things like that. So you think just in general question, you know, he's not he didn't necessarily do a lot of the things that he did. But do you think it was important? This is for everybody that he got the message out there that he spoke for people who didn't might not have had the opportunity to say it or to say it as eloquently as he did
3: absolutely that and that's what he was doing and that's i believe i believe that was his goal that, that was always what he wanted to do you know uh he wanted to be able to actually i think there were interviews with him saying that that he yeah he wanted to provide a voice for the people who couldn't you know couldn't say it as eloquently uh, so yeah that's that's uh that should have gone a positive way i can tell you i can tell you where uh It kind of went where things kind of went bad, though. A lot of the people who he was speaking for, as far as the thugs and, you know, the people in the street, they latched on to that. They latched on to that part of that aspect of Tupac and what he was talking about and and not digging in and, and, you know, soaking in the deeper messages and the more positive things, which is what Tupac, where he wanted to lead to. And that influenced a lot of rappers. Uh, who came up behind him and they're like, yeah, Tupac is a thug so I'm gonna be one too. And <laughs> so so there are so many shitty rap albums that are just all shoot yes. them up because that's what Tupac is in their mind. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah, I think people like, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Bobby, because it's a lot of shit out there. It's like, it's, it's that's the perfect example because all of us have, you know, they've gone to school and we kind of know this. It's like, it's not about just reading a book. It's about understanding what the fuck you reading. Like, can you summarize what you read? And uh, like you said, it's in terms of uh Tupac and uh, people like copying like the persona, but not so much paying attention to the message. Like yeah. uh, he came out his he came out with an album in '93, and uh you know box mark. You don't have to comment if you don't want. The name of the album was Strictly for My Niggas. Now Tupac yeah. used the word niggas as an acronym. Never ig- never ignorant, getting goals accomplished. So whenever he would put that word out there, that's how he was looking at it. Think, same uh, thing, same thing with Thug like the Hate You Give, uh, the Hate You Give little infants fucks everybody. So he was putting shit out there, but once again, people weren't doing that research and like, okay, this is what this means. This is why he puts it out there. They were just looking at the Thug like the image, the guns, the this, yeah. the bitches, the whole. They wasn't look read like I said, reading the message. They were just looking real at the song of the outside. Yeah, real thugs don't do research. That's not <laughs> <laughs> I,
6: mean, yeah, yeah. I mean it sounds funny, but I'm being dead serious. If he no, thought I that know. they were gonna do a lot of research into deeper messages, he was that well I'll let you know he really wasn't didn't know much about that thug license <laughs> and banging and stuff, right?
1: Damn, I was trying to be positive really right like there. And hey, Gert, <laughs> yeah, he just said, Yeah, and I'm sorry, man, I got to stop that shit out for a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I think honestly, I think a lot of that, a lot of the blame can be placed on the record industry in general, because, you know, the, in any genre, rap, rap music, rock music, anytime something big is going, you know, look at like hair bands that came a couple of years before that. Mm-hmm. like You know, you just get they're just trying to replicate a formula. So when you yeah. start trying to replicate a formula, you kind of lose any sense of authenticity to it oh definitely, definitely. Yeah. like the
1: whole east coast that was a pure fucking marketing i mean like the whole like they basically took let's be honest and even pockner said this as heated as the shit between him and biggie got and really you can't even say heated because it was it was a one-sided argument because <laughs> big never really said much of nothing no, but my whole point too. is he, even he said it was a personal dispute between two individuals yeah. The magazines is the ones that label this shit East Coast versus West Coast, Coast. Fucking Coast, all of a sudden right. you got you got fucking people that's not even involved in the altercation getting involved like fuck Biggie, fuck Pop. Like what what the fuck like right. what the fuck you got to do with the situation? Like Get all the these right. people throwing in their two cents and they and they basically like I said, that fucking publicity is what got them fucking killed ultimately because yeah. all it was was a they took a disagreement between two people and even Russell Simmons himself said he's he kind of like looks back and wishes he had gotten involved more because he realized that the kind of power that he had they both looked yeah. up to him if he had a stepped in and basically set them both down the shit would have been squashed with one conversation cuz it's like they were friends before but they but like yeah. I said once the shit once people got in their ears and all that kind of shit and they started to blow up more it was almost like nobody wanted to show their ass nobody wanted to uh Look like look weak, in other words. So they had to kind of put out that persona. But I'm pretty sure behind closed doors, Pac might have been like, "This shit kind of getting to going too far."
6: Well, you know, and that's another thing. And now I kind of want to post that question to you guys because a lot of people do feel like, and even Miss Wallace kind of said the same thing. She talked about an instance of where Biggie actually met up with Pac outside of an award show and said, "Man, what are you? Why are you doing all this? Well, what's going on?" And he said, "Hey, I'm just, I'm just trying to get paid." He said, "Little right me, I'm right? just trying to get paid." Yeah. yeah he, so uh, do you guys believe that yeah. whole thing was just fabricated by Pot just to get some, you know, some spotlight, just to get some shine? Hey,
3: you know, I, I, he knew how to market himself. I'll it, it kind of <laughs>
0: reminds you, and and not to, you know, I'm just jumping in here. Kind of reminds you of the Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman thing. Yeah. Hey. You know, it really does. It was all for show, and nobody knew. Matter of fact, some people didn't even know that was a fucking work until the... Once yeah. again, we bring it up. Man on the Moon movie came out.
3: Yeah. Jim Carrey so, didn't even know that was a work. <laughs> no, I know. Oh, <laughs> the it, he
1: still doesn't this, this know. Was, I look at it like this. This was a shoot that turned into a work. Mm-hmm. Pac's feelings when he initially... Like I said, when yes. Pac got... Lost, when he got shot in 94, in November 94, at the at the studio, up until that mm-hmm. point, Big and I'm not going to get into the whole Big history of it but the point is up until that point him and Big and the whole crew they was friends and, then, and and then plus what pissed Pac off about the situation is he got shot in New York Biggie huh. knows fucking New York and he basically went to Big and said like, hey, you know what happened Big his whole deal was he wanted to stay out of it he wanted to stay out of it he might have not been directly involved but Pac felt like he could have did more like if you know who shot me, just point me in the direction of the dudes that shot me, and I'll take it from there. And then it just escalated from that.
3: Yeah, there was a lot about that. That was a big mess, you know. Big putting out the single "Who Shot You"? That didn't look good, you know. There was there <laughs> was a lot of a uh, lot of moving parts that just did not did not sit well. Yeah, um, if they had kids, she probably had
5: two pups.
1: Get
3: yeah, it? Yeah,
1: two, two, five. Oh, yeah, Big was like undercover, but he just, he never really came at him hard, no. which he probably could have, which is, you know, ugh. But I, you know, I, once again, I, I want to point out, you know, I forgot who brought it up. It might have been you, Smart, in terms of like, uh, people like just kind of feeding the beast. Uh, and I'm going to ask Box to pull it up if he can. One of Pac's last interviews on MTV. Um, cause he did a lot of shit with them. He basically was like, damn near ran level with them up until he died. He, he, it was at the, uh, after the uh, video music awards and they kind of, the guy got into it with them about the uh, whole East coast, West coast war. And he basically was very professional about it. He basically said, look, I'm here as a businessman. If they want to bring drama and beef, we can take it there, but we in the same industry. I'm trying to make money. It's the infamous interview where he basically said, we sell records. They sell record. well, if you can call that selling records, <laughs> that type of thing. You know? But like, he really kind of, like I said, once again, to your point, he basically articulated himself so well. So even though he was coming off hit him up and fuck you and hope you die and you catch all of it, he basically broke it down in a way that I can't, I'm not even doing it justice. I'm trying to find it. Yes, uh, Kurt, you know what I'm talking about. I guess it was around the time when him and Snoop was beefing because yep. you could just tell, like, if you read, know anything about body language, Snoop was just like, I yep. don't even want to fucking be here right now. Was it with, yeah. what, it was it with was Snoop, Snoop interviewing him? him? Yeah, and okay. Snoop was just looking disgusted, yeah. like he didn't even want to be there.
0: Okay, he is beside yeah. Snoop. Okay, hold on then. This might be it right here. Let me get this advertisement out of the way. Five, four, come on,
4: motherfucker. Here we go it 's two minutes Here, hold on. you lost best rap video you 'd all disappointed about that oh no i didn 't lose see because I sold six and a half million copies, so he won. I won when all these famous people get together. What's the one thing you take away? Is everybody much shorter than you thought? I know a lot of people find Snoop and say six foot four. I had no idea. Oh yeah. But do people seem shorter? There's a lot of attitude going on. What do you, What's the one thing you take away? Oh, it's a lot of attitude, of course, because nobody thought we would show up here. But you know, we we always feel like we keeping it real. Not f- scratch that. We always felt like we're being true to everything we've always stayed exactly. representing, and our audience is worldwide. We're not even on no. You know, we coming out here, and it's some East Coast, West Coast. We got beef with the people we got beef with, but we could go anywhere in the country because we are America's most wanted. Exactly. So can't stop the flow. Can't stop what America wants. Um,
3: right. On
4: that note, I know that Biggie and Puffy are here tonight. Um, did you see them? Do you have anything to say to them at all? No, nah, but if we even if we saw them, we, not, we are businessmen. We are not animals. It's not like we're going to see them and rush them and jump on them. If they they see us and they want drama, we're going to definitely bring it like only Devereaux could bring it. You know,
0: basically, he just said it. I'm going to pause real quick. We're businessmen. <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: We're not. Yeah. Uh, this
3: we're is not a business. He, exactly. You can even hear it in his voice when yep. he said that. That mm-hmm. was the real that was his mother's son that spoke right there. We're right. That
1: was Tupac not I mean, it, was core. it wasn't Tupac. Right.
0: right. Yeah, that was real words right there. We are businessmen. This is a business.
6: But wait a minute. And that's, and that's after Hit Him Up, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so then that's why I'm saying that. Fuck all that businessman stuff. If you make a diss like that about me, that nasty, and I see you.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Nah. <sighs> I don't know. have you know have you ever thought that they I mean, did these two get together and know exactly the words they were writing together? What no, they were no. saying about each other. Did they? Do you no, know
5: no no no
1: no no no,
0: no when Pac no. did hit him up, he basically
1: uh I, I don't I can't remember the exact timeline I know Suge, and uh, he basically bailed him out of death row. And it, it, the story goes that fucking uh, mm-hmm. Pop wanted to, he was desperate to get out of jail. That's the whole reason he signed up with death row.
5: Mm. He signed yeah. a fucking
1: contract on toilet paper. Mm. And basically <laughs> he signed his life, literally he signed his life away to Suge, who basically said, hey, look, I'm going to bail you out of jail. I'm going to give you X amount of, but he, you got to sign with my record label and you got to give me X amount of record. That's what—that's another reason why he was up in the studio. Mm-hmm. Fucking producing. Mm-hmm round the clock, round the clock, round the clock, because around the time, you know, I know I'm jumping ahead here, so I apologize. No, that's fine. But around the time he did that interview that we are playing right now, the the word was that he was basically making moves to leave Death Row. He had a record label, you know, euthanasia records. That's where the whole Machiavelli deal came from because that was going to be his yep. alias. That was basically going gonna to be his out. Yeah.
3: Death Row. You know
1: what? So he, was basically, he basically, that was around the time, like you can hear it in his voice, you're hearing like Tupac Moral Shakur. I think and it unfortunately it was too late. That was around the time where he probably mentally he was starting to think that, yeah, I've been on death row for about a year and it was fun, but it's like, yeah, it's not this not the road I wanna go now.
4: Mm-hmm. But by
1: then yeah. it was too late. He was too deep into the game.
3: Yeah. He wanted out and and uh, interestingly enough, uh Big also wanted out a bad boy. You know, so how interesting would the game be right now if both of those guys had got away from uh, who they were locked in with?
1: Na- 95% of the game, you, were, you wouldn't know these people. I and mean, I sincerely yeah, we know
6: you. about that.
1: You would you not would know half think. of Drake who? Fuck <laughs> little one. <laughs>
3: little one you. Do?
1: You would not know uh, half of these
3: cats. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, that's, that's real bad. Going back to, I can't remember, I uh, have a really bad short-term memory, but uh, somebody mm-hmm. mentioned um. somebody just said a couple minutes ago uh, something about these guys sitting down and, like, letting each other know what they're writing about each other. Yeah. Uh, You know what? Like, the, the history of hip-hop, because Tupac and Biggie, they were both still kind of old school. You know, they're from an era where rap songs are rap songs. Yes, their beef was real, yeah. mm-hmm. but a lot of the classic beefs, in hip-hop, I'm, I'm going to talk about some people who I listened to growing up who were out before probably some of you guys were alive, but KRS-One and MC Shan. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a yeah. historian.
1: I know everybody,
3: I know. everybody, well, I'm sure you do, but, you know, I listened to those dudes real time, and, and you couldn't tell me that they didn't hate each other. You could not no. tell me that <laughs> they ran each other in the streets. Nah, you know I what? remember. They never. They were cool. Like they had, they had one issue. If you look into their history, why KRS started dissing them, it makes sense. But that was squashed quick. He still kept dissing them on record, but they were cool. They would let, they would let each other hear the things that they were going to release about each other first. Hmm. Same with LL Cool J and Cool Mo D. They were cool. Right. They were friends. Like they ran in the same circle. And people who didn't know that would think that they wanted to kill each other. But they would call each other up like, hey, look, I wrote this about you. <laughs> you know, and they were releasing. Yeah. You know, that that was what it's, hip-hop was, man. It was a creative art form. We're not animals. It, <laughs> it was a
0: business. Like it, Tupac yeah. just said, it should have been a business. and
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, man. I remember just as a kid, because one of my favorite songs, at least in terms of hip-hop, is the I Shacha remix. Mm. And L went hard on that like, on that last verse. I'm I mean, like, damn! Like it was. Put, I'm thinking like if somebody saw that nigga on the street, they'd be like, "Hey, L, we got to talk, man."
0: <laughs> See, I remember the little feuds. I remember the feuds that Bobby's talking about with KRS-One and shit. But KRS-One was another incredibly intelligent guy. Actually, when I'm I lived in fl- when I lived in uh, Florida, KRS-One held a lecture, and I went to it. Yeah. In at FAU, oh, yes. Florida Atlantic University, it was great. It was I, 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 three hours never went by so fast, never. Yeah, the, it was amazing. The man is brilliant.
3: Yes, and, and the best. I'll, I'll say it like this: I don't know how this is going to come out because I've never even thought this thought before. But the, both <laughs> the best and worst things that could have happened for KRS One was his DJ Scott LaRock getting killed, mm. because mm-hmm. before Scott LaRock was killed uh Boogie Down Production put out an album called Criminal Minded. You know? Oh, yeah. And that that inspired a lot of gangster rappers. You know, he wasn't he wasn't teaching, this was before he was the teacher. He was the blast master. He was coming out, he was dissing people, he was talking about selling drugs and robbing people. My nine millimeter goes bang. That's what he was doing. And then Scott well that's what he was talking about. And then Scott LaRock died and he was like, damn, you know, I can't be out here spreading this this bullshit like this. So that was when he stopped calling himself the Blastmaster, started started saying that he was the teacher, stopped talking about selling drugs and shooting people, you know? Hmm. So, yeah, both the best and worst things that could have happened was his best friend being killed. Wow.
1: Now, let let, let me ask you guys something, um, because, you know, we're talking about Tupac, but I want to throw big into the discussion. A lot of their yeah. songs, a lot of their music... um. Basically, had a lot of overriding tones of you know I'm not going I'm not going to be here for a long time. Yeah. Like Big had a song, fuck. Big had a song called "Suicidal Thought." Every oh, a, lot, yeah. a lot of Pac songs revolved around the fact that I ain't gonna make it to be thirty. I ain't go, I'm not yeah. gonna let it be an old man. If you listen to a lot of Pac shit, it was I'm going out blasting. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. X Y Z. Hmm.
5: Uh.
1: When you look back on those, do you look at them? I mean, obviously, it's not necessarily a positive message to put out there, but do, do you put them on a different level in terms of being keenly aware of like their eventual downfall? Does it does it kind of put does it kind of put them at a higher level? Because not only were they able to kind of like lay like I said lay down memorable track after memorable check. but they could literally kind of predict the future in terms of like yeah. li- their lyrical content.
6: I I think it maybe not so much as predicting the future, but I mean back then, I guess with so much you know, and it goes on nowadays too. With so much black home black violence and inner city killing and whatnot, they kind of figured. I mean, what you either die or go to jail. So I mean, I were. Yeah. I mean, in this life, I'm gonna end up dead. That's a strong possibility. So it's gonna kind of bleed through in my music.
3: Right? Yeah. It goes back to it goes back to them speaking for people who don't have the outlet to reach a bunch of people because I can tell you, I can tell you that I knew some people growing up in the streets who have said, I don't give a fuck, I'm probably gonna die tomorrow. I don't give a fuck, you know? Like they just they just knew that they were not gonna live long and a lot of them didn't mm-hmm. live long. Mm-hmm.
2: So, and I will also, also just kind of say just in general, we were talking about them being young when they passed. When you're 20, 25 in that area, you don't expect, you know, that you're gonna. You're not thinking about what your life's gonna be like when you're 50 or 60
3: or whatever, yeah. you know. Can't think that far ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: You
1: think you're invincible, and it's like, and 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 it's kind of weird, you know, because to Bobby's point earlier, you know, Tupac knew how to market himself, okay. Uh, Biggie was another guy. Very, you know, like I said, you, you know, a lot of you say what you want about Biggie, but he was another guy that was very intelligent. Yeah. He had he had the best yeah. of everything, and like you know, if you listen to his lyrics, you wouldn't know know about it. But he Lord, he literally kind of fell into the drug game because hmm. I, I remember for a long time, I know him and his mom had some drama because his mom took great offense to the fact that she gave him the best of everything growing up, clothes, yeah. best education. And this dude, you know, to listen, you know, I lived in a one-room shack, same black, you know, red and black lumberjack. Like, he mm-hmm. didn't grow up like that. He didn't right. grow up struggling. He just decided one day, look, I'm tired of fucking people picking on me. I'm, I'm yeah. tired of X, Y, and Z. So rather than and? be a punk the rest of my life, I'm going to fall in with this crowd. That's that's the story. And I like Big, too. Much respect to respected. But if we're going to be honest here, that was his trajectory.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, you want to see something funny, uh, get the DVD of Notorious. Oh,
5: yeah, I've seen it. That's where I got it. At.
3: His, his yeah. mother does a commentary track, and it it's funny to watch the movie with her oh. commentary because so many times in her commentary, she's like, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say that. You know, <laughs> that didn't happen like that. <laughs>
6: <laughs> but a you lot know, of people said that about Notorious. They said a lot of that said that movie was highly inaccurate.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Damn. I right, get back to the uh, yeah. Wanna get back to the interview real quick? What'd you say? Wanna get back to the interview real quick? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 oh yeah. Alright, here we go.
4: We here as people to enjoy and support, support the video awards. music awards for MTV because they support us. So if they want to come and use this business opportunity to get on some gangster, you know, we do that better than anybody. Can you envision a day when, you know, y'all not get together and make an album Just peacefully coexist. There's no dream of making an album with Biggie and Puffy, or none of them. We're not sweating it like that. This is our family. We peacefully coexist right now because we all cool. Everybody's here. Everybody's. They make. They sell records. We sell records. Well, I guess you could call that selling records what they do.
3: We sell (laughs) large amounts of records, and they sell
4: a few records, (laughs) man.
1: Oh, that's where yeah. I guess you can stop it, box. It, yeah. Kind of, kind of for some. If the audio fucks up. Yeah, the audio fucks up. A lot up. of our but that's uh the uh, video.
5: Hmm.
1: But um, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was going that way, man. Honestly, and like I said, it's so eerie. Like they literally like dies within six months of each other. So that 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 mm-hmm. kind of goes to tell you like there were greater forces in, at, at work here. You know, I've heard all kinds of conspiracy theories from. You know, the government was involved with Pac's death and it was an assassination. No, I mean Chris Rock put it best. Tupac, as much as I love, he wasn't assassinated. Biggie wasn't assassinated. Then it was just no. two niggas that got shot. There's a difference. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to disrespect the death there, but it's two dudes that got shot. But yeah. to kind of like throw it to your point, and I guess I can throw this to everybody. Uh a lot of people felt like Pac was getting too powerful in terms of his voice. Like he, cause like I said, if you kind of look back, if you look on it now, not just within like the United States, but worldwide, Pac is like an institution to some people. So do you think yeah. that there were maybe forces at work that said, um, uh, we got to take this one down? Like the Illuminati, uh, like if we're going to go to the conspiracy theory, Illuminati route, do you think I that think forces were like, eh, we got to take this one out? Nah, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I
6: don't think so. He he wasn't I mean he was Pac. I mean Pac was, you know, great with words and he was a poet and he put out a good message, but I mean he wasn't you know Malcolm X and nothing like that. I mean <laughs> the, you know, I, I think he just did some things at the wrong place at the wrong time to the wrong people.
1: And Yeah. Yeah. That's so you what got basically was put him Thomas. on the Malcolm X level
6: that people tend to put him on nowadays. Yeah, people really kinda like, you know, look, I never take anything away from Pac. I mean, you know, hey, he was a poet, he was great with words. Yeah, some great messages, but people kind of start putting them on the level of, like, civil rights activists. It's like, whoa. It's kind of, let's calm down a little bit. It's
4: calm it's down a little bit.
6: Such
1: close. a positive message to young women.
3: Anthony, you checked out that video I sent
1: you. Oh, yeah. And honestly, um, let me see if I can find it. Uh, you guys can keep talking for a minute. But, uh, yeah, I did get that video, and it really pretty much encapsulated the two sides of Tupac. Basically, while I'm looking for the video, the gist of it was one interview was from, like, 1988. Pac was, like, maybe 16, 17 years old. Yeah. And he basically goes over. He, he basically talks about the fact that he grew up with the ultimate respect for women, you know, growing up with his mom, his aunties, and he's very respectful and soft-spoken. And he basically goes, you know, it was this girl that he liked, and he was, like, the ultimate gentleman. And this is and this is kind of, it kind of.
0: And, and we lost Anthony. Makes again. sense. It kind of, okay. might. it <laughs> represents, <laughs> like, a turning
1: point in how he would turn out later on. Basically, he goes, it's this girl that he liked in high school. And he played, like, I'm here. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I got you. Go ahead. Got
1: you. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Um, but basically, he goes on to say, like, it was this girl that he liked in high school. And he played the ultimate good guy. Like, a, you know, gentlemen pulling out chairs, holding doors. And she basically looked at him and said, You're too nice. And that's when it was like, Well, shit. And I'm pretty sure, you know, coming up, we all had stories like that where we kind of went above and beyond just to have a chick look at it and go, You're too nice for me. I need a rough neck. Then six months later, that same chick, after she got slapped upside the head six, seven times, Oh, Anthony wasn't so bad.
2: Fuck you. But we got personal there for a minute.
0: Jeez. <laughs> Anthony ran. Um. (laughs) No, but I'm
1: sitting. And then he kind of goes on to like, um, he kind of gets more militant. Like, I guess like three, four years down the line, where he basically said, "There are bitches, and there are women." Like, when I do a song like Brenda's Got a Baby or uh, Keep Your Head Up, I'm talking to the women that remind me of my mom, my sister, people that I grew up with that are positive, blah blah blah. But when I do songs about get around, that's the kind of shit I encounter when I'm on the road. Like, there are bitches out there. Women know that there are other bitches
0: out there. There you go. Look, keep your head up. (laughs)
4: Alright,
0: real quick, I do have to mention one thing. There is a movie coming out uh, about the unsolved murders of Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. And Johnny Depp is going to play the police officer that investigated it. Oh. What do you think about that?
1: The Caribbean dude is <laughs> going to play the. Huh? <laughs> so I mean, it, once again, it, it depends on like who's involved creatively and behind the scenes. Yeah, does like in terms of like the act. Like I don't honestly. I'll be honest. I need somebody that's completely uh, that doesn't have an axe to grind, or I don't want. I don't want Puffy. I don't want P Diddy. I don't want fucking shook Knight involved because yeah. when you get people like that involved, you're going to get it slanted a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like to this day, I I still think Suge and fucking Diddy had something to do with the murders, not directly, but I still think they had something. So I I need somebody that's completely independent, almost, to kind of get involved, if that makes sense.
3: I would yeah. imagine that yeah. uh that you, if you've uh seen interviews from the guy, the, the detective that Johnny Depp is going to be playing, I, I'm I would assume that he's going to have a lot to do with uh the uh, creative process of the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't tell a lot about the movie. It says uh, the unsolved murders of Tupac Shakur and Notorious B.I.G. will take center stage in a new movie starring Johnny Depp. Depp will play the late Los Angeles Police Department detective Russell Poole in Brad Furman's uh, uh, ad- adaptation of the movie. But it doesn't tell a lot, doesn't give a name or anything. But uh, it is definitely going to be a movie soon. So.
3: Huh. I didn't know he died. I guess he won't be a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah. The actual detective is no longer with us. But uh, I don't know. I mean, this guy has put out uh, a lot of. Uh, you know, Brad Furman, the guy that they just mentioned, has put out a lot of good movies uh, The Lincoln Lawyer, The Infiltrator, uh, The Take, the, uh, Runner, Runner. Sure. That, that those are pretty good. I mean, I've seen uh, I've seen the take and Runner Runner. I like both of them.
1: Now I'm going to kind of put, I'm sorry. Uh, who was talking? Was that Curtis? Oh,
6: that was what I was gonna say. And um, shout out to Dominic in the chat room. I probably couldn't mention this a little bit earlier, but yes, um, the role for Jody and Baby Boy was originally supposed to be for Tupac. And after his death, they are getting pushed out with Tyrese Gibson, hmm. and that's why they also kind of in that movie. If you notice in Jody's room, they kind of pay homage to Pop with the big Pop mural
0: on his wall.
5: Yeah,
0: yeah. did not we notice. the guy's
1: name? John? Yeah, Johnson. Because obviously the guy that made Baby Boy, John Singleton, he directed mm-hmm. Pop and uh, Poetic Justice. Ah. There you and it go. was like one of those things where like you know always wanted to work together because he worked with him when he was like 21 22 so you know clearly is like he saw the talent then and it was just like it hey, will see you down the road he didn't know he his window to work with the man would be so small well but, uh, that was supposed to be ice cube and poetic justice actually yeah that would have been <laughs> i like you yeah. but um he he put it to you like this he's better now but he has the same general pissed off look on his face so i don't think it would have
0: he always looks pissed off until he's in that goddamn boat with all the mems. Then he looks so happy. <laughs> 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 yes.
5: Nice to
6: But
0: I just wanna add <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Excuse me. I wanna add real quick since we taking this trip down memory lane, talking some Tupac. THT Podcast, thank you all for joining us tonight. Uh, join us every Friday night, com slash THT Podcast, 11 p.m. I'm no Shaheen, but I do what I can.
0: Uh, uh, that was good. I like that. Shaheen to be proud I just wanted
1: to throw this in. What did you guys think? Because obviously, the long-standing rumor, actually, what's well, not even a rumor is fact. Originally, the role of O-Dog was supposed to go to Tupac.
5: Hmm.
1: And uh, we've all seen, hopefully we've all seen by this point, the infamous Yo MTV Raps clip where he basically implicated himself on air, yeah. which is why he had to go to jail for about 15 days, because he basically said he came out and admitted that he beat the fuck out he of the brothers. Up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That
3: happened. So that, what do you
1: guys think about, because I've heard a lot of different stories. Like, um, I heard he, wanted, he was a, he wanted to play the old dog role, but apparently, like, they they wanted him to be, like, the uh, Muslim guy. So
5: Muslim, like I guess yeah.
1: maybe they once again to Bobby's point earlier, maybe they saw him as like, oh, you ain't really a thug type guy. You you're more relatable to this character. So where do you guys stand on that? Like role? So, you...
3: uh, this is this is what I heard. Um, they offered him the Muslim role. I can't remember the character's name, but um, he like they knew that he wouldn't be happy with that role because they didn't want him. They didn't want him. The Hughes brothers did not want Tupac. Oh, from Guns- uh, actually, every role in that movie, uh, every role in minutes Are we talking about minutes
5: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Every role in minutes was actually supposed to be. They were all supposed to be rappers. Like wow. they were, they were all going to be rappers. Like Too Short and just uh, who else? I think uh, MC8 was Gim- in it. Eight was definitely in it, but I think MC Ren was supposed to be in it. Like every every role in that movie was supposed to be a rapper, hmm. wow. but it just didn't work out that way for we Better way. in my opinion, but yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So the uh...
5: mm-hmm.
0: and oh, there you go. Sharif was the guy's name in that movie. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah, and you're right. MC Ren was set to play A turned down the role. Yeah. yeah, Spice One was gonna be Kane. Tupac uh-huh. was gonna be Sharif. Later, f- fired by the director. Yeah. Tupac was said that uh, director Alan Hughes stating that Tupac Shakur was causing trouble on the set very angry for not being told why Sharif would turn Muslim six months yeah. after the fire raid. Yeah, it <laughs> was so,
3: the, the entire backstory yep. that was never going to be shown in the movie. Yep. Said he assaulted, <laughs> exactly.
0: uh, assaulted the director, and that's what uh, got him found guilty of assault and battery was assaulting the director.
1: And not yeah. to be funny here, but I, I actually had a wrestling tie-in because I actually heard that story Uh, because actually M.C. Rance... No, not M.C. Rance. M.C.A. basically told a story. He used to say they used to look forward to coming to, like, table readings because Pac would, like, basically just flip out all the time. But, (laughs) so, basically... Think about this for a second. Pac's whole argument was he wanted some continuity and he wanted some, like, exposition as to why his character became Muslim, right? Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. Right. Like, in other words, if you're going to a movie... So, think about this for a minute. Just imagine... Close your eyes and imagine Tupac on... WWE's creative team he would be pissed off every second of every day oh he
0: would have killed he would have shot somebody by now
1: how do we just imagine if Tupac was flipping out over that just imagine him in that situation
5: yeah
0: yeah and actually Weeb's put a quote in here from Tupac it said uh thank you again weebs it said I said okay cool fire me from this $100,000 movie because I ain't going to play no gangbanger who's a Muslim. There ain't no such thing. I refuse to play parts that don't exist. I will... God damn it, (laughs) weeps.
2: Uh, go ahead and, and
0: anthony or curtis or bobby will finish the last <laughs> sentence of this statement
6: there ain't no there ain't no such thing i refuse to play parts that don't exist i'll be a young nigga but we'll be a real young nigga oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I,
1: I was, i'm sorry boss i didn't mean to let you hang out there but but,
6: but how, how, does, how does he know it ain't no muslim thing like how did he
0: know that <laughs> There could I'm, sorry, be. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm there could be, but God damn it, there was no I way I was reading that last shit.
1: I wanted to see how you know. Wow. I wanted to see.
6: <laughs> yeah. you I, got re- he handled it tremendously well. Thank you. <laughs> I,
0: I got. I got. I, I got down to that fucking part where it said "thing" and I was like, "Oh fuck, what am I gonna do now?" <laughs>
3: for, for the record, for the record, as far as I'm concerned, don't don't pitch to me to say that word because I never. I've retired that word long, okay. long, long, long ago. <laughs> I just I, knew I if I
0: it. said it, we would get emails, kicked off, <laughs> killed,
3: something.
1: <laughs> oh God! So, Bobby, you took the Richard Pryor approach.
3: You just said, fuck yeah. God, I'm tired of work." Absolutely. Yep. I don't want right. to go into the whole. I can I could go off for. Of, I could go off for of thirty minutes about that. So I'm not going to do it right now. But that's <laughs> my stance
1: on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I look at it like what. what Interrogatory term regardless for whatever race like if you honestly have a problem with the word being used you shouldn't use it cuz then it like i said i'm i'm in that uh set of you shouldn't use the word and then at the same time get pissed off with of somebody else using it it's like if you don't right, like sir. the word that much you got to eliminate it from your vocabulary period point blank exactly
0: like i did
1: yeah but <laughs> I'm sorry boss that <laughs> makes a very good radio that made for a very good podcast. I was just waiting to see, like, yeah, we're going to see how good of friends we are right now. I
6: think
0: I handled uh, that
3: we very well. You. We love you, Boxman. Thanks, like, I
5: think I handled that
3: pretty well. You're safe, man. You're safe right now. You're in a safe place right now, Boxman. Box,
5: yeah,
1: Box you, were just, you was reading that just as smooth. And then I'm like, yeah, he cool.
3: Look, because I you slowed
0: look, up I'm like, safe, but said, I'm not going to get too that. safe. You know what I mean? I don't want to get too comfortable. You know what I mean? <laughs> You can be cool, but you, but th- th- sometimes you overstep your cool. I didn't want to do that, you know?
3: Uh, I appreciate that. No
2: problem. I <laughs> respect the <to> box man. <laughs> we'll say out an audio medium, it has never been easier to visualize somebody turning red. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes.
0: Oh, I definitely need another beer. God damn it. This is good shit. Hey,
1: hey, hey. We are nothing if not entertaining on this fucking show. (laughs) Let me
0: grab one more here. There we go. All right. (sighs) Anyway, let's move on from that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: Lord. I mean, just to make you feel a little more uncomfortable, box. You over there sweating like a nigga that just got the DNA results <laughs> on board. Like, look, just like look. <laughs> you you're doing your happy dance now, and you like, "Woo!" <laughs> no, nah, we love you, box. It's all jokes, man. <laughs> oh,
4: God.
2: Who'd have thought the man with the gun had to be the one to dodge bullets? <laughs>
0: This is the shit we use You don't get on air This is great uh,
1: oh. uh, Who would have ever thought the with the guy would have to die I swear man we should almost name that This episode
0: <laughs> I bobbed and weaved man I bobbed and weaved <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I did but I did not shoot the deputy
0: I did not god damn it
5: <laughs> oh lord
0: <laughs> oh thank you weebs for oh you know what? before I read anything of weebs let me read this real quick <laughs> hold on
3: a second <laughs> yeah, he's he, he, he he trying, trying to, say, to, say, he he trying to
0: pick up <laughs> man oh, <shit. laughs> oh weebs you son of a bitch you were fucking waiting for me to do that weren't you <laughs> <laughs>
1: we told you out
0: <laughs> Under the fucking bus, man. You were driving too motherfucker. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh oh. All right, this doesn't oh, look too bad. I think I, I see Baltimore psychology. I can read this one. Shakespearean. If I see Shakespearean, I can definitely read it. Yeah,
6: it's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Wait, what do you, you mean? What do you mean, Shakespeare?
1: Shakespeare?
0: No.
1: <laughs> I'm going to play the Shakespeare <laughs> brother. I get offended by everything.
0: Maybe I should go take a piss while you guys read this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We ain't heard from you in a while, Smart. What are your thoughts uh, beyond Boxman's uh, sweating over there? Let's give Let's give Boxman a chance to regain his composure.
2: I don't know what you're talking about, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think everything is galley G grand.
0: Uh the other southern white guy jumps in here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to
2: it's, it's take
5: sense.
0: The the guy from the fucking. Guy- Tennessee and the fucking Texan are like oh my god we're out outnumbered <laughs> now man <laughs>
2: <laughs> quick box let's talk about NASCAR okay. Ooh, um, uh, did you see that accident Ah, oh, the worst accident of all time, man!
0: What the? Fuck? I haven't watched NASCAR in six years, dude. To be honest with you, all right. <laughs> okay. Garth Brooks. I don't know. I'm trying to throw you a lifeline here, Garth. Man. Didn't he? Do, yeah, he. Um. Yeah. Um. Colin Baton Rouge.
1: <laughs> now I want to ask you guys something. And uh, thank in, God.
0: All, in all seriousness.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, get get us back on track a little bit. Yeah. Um. In terms of uh, obviously we know Tupac was and uh was close to a uh, Jada Pinkett. Really? I yeah. mean, to the no. point now, when you, I mean, I I have no doubt in my mind that if, if Pac was still alive, they would be. I don't I don't want to say married because he basically said that would be his friend till the day they die. <laughs> you know, if she needed anything because they had like that type of bond. Yeah. What do you think, trajectory wise, that would have ended up? Because it, it just seems like, kind of like, to this the way she kind of, it's like, I always felt like over the past 20 years, Will Smith basically competing with a ghost. Because whenever pop come up, it's like, you could just see it in her eyes, like, damn, I miss that dude. She breaks down crying damn near every time she talks about him. Yeah, so what do you think? You think they would have wound up together, even though she put out the I little, be- he was a terrible kisser and all that shit?
6: I believe so. I think if, it may have took a while, but I think eventually they would have end it up together.
1: Oh, yeah. Cause, I mean, I, I just like, man, I mean, I don't know if you guys ever been in a situation like that, but that when you was that close to somebody where it's just like when they when they not around no more, it's like, damn, it's just like a part of you is just gone. And I just like I said, I get that vibe. I get that vibe from her that because obviously they kind of you know this kind of like paint a picture for people. They they knew each other from uh, the uh, performing arts school in Baltimore. That's what they mm-hmm. meant. And she basically said from jump, like when she first met him, that he it was a classic case that so you don't judge a book by its cover. Because she basically said when she first met him, Pac was not the type of dude, if you knew him in high school, he was not the type of dude that I would get a time of day to. But once she kind of started to pay attention to him and, like, see what he was about, she realized that, you know, there was more than meets the eye to him. And that's how they kind of developed a kind of, like, friendship. And which kind of, I'm sure, led to other things. So, like you know, let's be real. But, um. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, pretty obvious. Yeah, but I'm saying like when you see him talk about her in inter- like interviews and stuff, that's my heart. We like we gonna be like Ozzy, Ozzy Davis and Ruby D. Like if if she needed a lung, my last lung, my heart. Like though he almost talked about her in a certain reverence, that kind of makes me wonder like was was she the one to kind of make that man calm down? Like if she if they kind of like maybe if they was even together at the time in a relationship. Maybe that would have been his inspiration to go. Hmm, it's time for me to calm down, settle down. Cause uh, you know, sometimes they say like a man, uh, it, you, a man needs like a good woman to kind of calm him down and, and to kind of keep things in perspective for him in terms of like what's really important in life. I think
2: saying. Are you suggesting that if he wouldn't have died, Tupac would have been starring in Wild Wild West? <laughs> <laughs> God help me. I hate
1: that fucking movie. <laughs> That might that that might have made that might have turned cause I've talked about this on the show a few times. Oh, I hate funny. that fucking
0: movie. So that, that might've turned
1: me against pop.
0: <laughs> oh. Next week we will be reviewing Wild Wild West, everybody. <laughs> <All right>.
1: <laughs> 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 you cracky ass cracker. Don't do that to
5: <laughs> <you. laughs> <laughs> uh, me.
0: I, I actually look that movie is ridiculous but i i'll i've it it's on my DVR. <laughs> <Okay. laughs>
1: i i've honestly i and i'm straight shoot i've never sat through that whole movie
0: I'm with i saw i saw like
1: a, like maybe a half hour or so because i'm the type of person where i'll give a movie a solid half hour to kind of like win me over, and if I'm not digging it within the first half hour, I'm like, yeah, it, it's not gonna get any better from that point, so I just shut the shit off.
0: No, I'm with Bobby. I see Selma Hayek. I'm gonna stop for a few okay. minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's worth it. jeez, it's worth it. jeez. <sighs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well said. Well said. Thank you. Well I don't know what well else well to well say. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, look, just turn on Dust Till Dawn and go from there.
1: That's, yeah, yeah, she's a very attractive-looking woman,
0: I will say that. Oh, she's beautiful. Beautiful woman. Big. Where personality. Were we? Right. Big personality. Personality. <laughs> yeah. Right. Personality. Pers- charisma. Giant charisma. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Per- uh, perfect. I want
1: to I, I wanna go face deep in her charisma and poker with my personality.
0: Right. right. Perfect. Perkiness. Now, uh, where were I we? Wanna- <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm gonna get back to Tupac in a minute, but a, a thought just popped in my head. Um, going. This is going going back to the mid '90s. Oh shit. And no, no, this is about a female. Okay.
0: I, I, no, this is about a female box. Don't worry. Well, you said a thought. I got real nervous.
1: Where does everybody, because I think this woman is still fine. Who? Where do you guys stand on Adina Howard? Freak like me, Adina Howard. Freak like me.
5: Woof. Yeah. Hmm. She had me going to a man. At all. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
1: I don't know if you're familiar with the song box, but if you YouTube it and just look at the video. Woo. Yeah, she did a lot crazy. of shit, but that's, her, that's her calling
0: card. Okay. It was a very popular video. Now, uh, Dina was diet. was bad. Mm, yeah, yeah, very nice. Very nice. Um, I wouldn't kick her out of bed for eating crackers at midnight. <laughs>
1: yeah. And uh, she's—I mean, all jokes. She's hold, held up pretty well. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, 2015 pictures, and I'd. Uh, <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't say no. Would not say no. I'll put it that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, yeah, once again, tying it in, I mean, uh, we talk about Coxman on the show. Tupac <laughs> was a pretty legendary Coxman. We do. I mean, you figure he died at 25, but he he had quite the track record. Did before he? Before he went out.
0: See? Okay. Oh,
1: yeah. Give me He's some. He's mad, shoddy. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Because if, you, uh, I, I be. If, if anybody saw like the movie, um, well, it's not really a movie. It's more of a documentary, Tupac Resurrection. Resurrection? Where he, yeah, where he basically does, like comment, I don't know how they did it, but the way they kind of did it, where he basically kind of gave commentary over his whole life up until the end was phenomenal. But mm-hmm. when they get to the part where like Tupac and the ladies... You could just tell he was a ladies man. Like women just, he had like a, like a certain charm to him. You could, you could see how a woman could fall for Tupac.
5: Hmm.
1: So like, you know, you know, he's been linked to what? Let me see. I, Adina Howard, I brought her up. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, fuck, uh, Jasmine Guy. Anybody remember her from back in the day? Different oh, world. Oh, yeah. And that's the one I don't, all due respect, you know, she was fine, but she, I don't know what the fuck happened. They say black don't crack, but th- th- that black cracked. Um, that's all I'm going to say on that she she just fell off at some point I don't know what happened Um, let me see I'm trying to think of somebody else Madonna they dated for and apparently like uh, Madonna's basically kind of came out and addressed the rumors that yeah they dated for a while and she actually wanted Tupac to have a baby so what do you think let's let's make that our next topic of discussion what do you think that situation would have been just imagine Tupac and Madonna bringing life into the world just the, yeah. how, how 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 what would you guys think of that situation?
0: <laughs> I'm so hmm.
3: no comment. I'm, I'm well. I, yeah, I I, I, say, I think right now, like in 2016, <laughs> if that had happened, that child would either be a celebrity or a train wreck or both
0: or yeah. a reality star. Yeah. Right. Oh, good point. <laughs> yeah. Definitely reality. Definitely reality.
1: You you don't think they could produce a child as stable and kind of like, well, you know, (laughs) a a stable child. You don't think a stable child could be produced from Tupac and Madonna?
0: Dude. Well adjusted? At that time, (laughs) let's face it, Madonna suddenly had a British accent and no one knows where the fuck it came from.
2: She was crazy like yeah. that anything i own that that kid would have put out like a collaboration album with blanket jackson <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> would have been straight fire for all the
3: wrong Absolutely. reasons <laughs> you know speaking of speaking of jackson uh janet was another one who actually tried tried to get with Tupac um I guess it was after the filming of uh, *Politic Justice*. She was trying to get with him, but her handlers were like, "Hell no, no, no." <laughs> now,
1: now, now uh, Bobby, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but according to your reports, did they uh, did she make him get an AIDS test before? <laughs> 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 that was hilarious. I mean, I don't know, man. That was funny. I mean, part of me could understand where she was coming from, and even Pac even said it. Like, if I'm really going to make love to her. I had no. Pro- I'll get. I'll get three A's tests. I had no problem with that. But if I'm gonna do a love scene with her like the other dude, so I kind of felt where Pac was coming from. It was kind of demeaning to say like yes. I need to get an A's test if we not really if we not really fucking. Why the fuck do I got to get anything?
3: <laughs>
1: right. True. So so I will. I will In- I'll stay. I'll stand up for him on that one. Even though Janet Jackson at fifty is still fine. I don't give a fuck what Ooh.
6: nobody say. I just saw her in concert not too uh, long ago, a few months ago.
0: Boy, damn! Janet Jackson still tours. These tore.
6: younger. the shame, boy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like they don't. I don't know, man. It just seems like women. It's like that's like a bygone, a bygone era of like women aging well and gracefully and taking care of themselves. It's just like I kind of weep for the future, man. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs>
0: Don't Thank worry, you, man. Whoever
1: said that—that's my—that's my reaction exactly.
0: Between Botox and all kinds of shit, women will be fine. Don't worry about it. Oh no, 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 that shit no. Gravity. <laughs> Can you to with Nicki
6: Minaj gonna look like seven years from now? <laughs> what you say? <laughs> think about that. Think, think about how Nicki Minaj gonna look about less than ten years from now
1: man fucking sure. look look look, look. Her, ass, her her inflatable ass will be bouncing off her ankles dude <laughs> right.
0: she's 92% plastic right now
1: yeah her oh. whole body is like plastic and collagen
0: she might be 2% exactly. real right now what are you talking about bobby come on <laughs> oh shit
1: oh shit what i wouldn't give what i wouldn't give i mean we were talking we talking about Tupac and this kind of ties in remember in the hit em up video where he kind of pulls off the fake weave of a uh, fake little Kim? Yeah. What I wouldn't give for a fucking 2016 video of Pop taking a needle and just blowing, blowing <laughs> up a fucking pitch, blowing up Nick, a fake Nicki Minaj ass.
0: Just sticking a needle. Pop! <laughs> just take a oh
1: oh It's just like, think about it.
0: Just get an air oh pump my... and do it. Huh? Just get an mm. air pump. That'll work better. Pretty yeah. much. Oh yeah. Because
1: just what? imagine. <laughs> Could you imagine the amount of diss tracks that Pop would have put out on half of the people that came out? Post-fucking-96, from, like, 96 onward?
6: Imagine what, like, Drake and Big would have done to, like... Not Drake and Big, but Pac and Big would have done to, like, Drake. Can you imagine that?
1: Oh, sh- I, it would... Bro, it, look, bro, it, it would have been over after one verse. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, honestly, the only thinks- person I could see, like, hang with Pac and Big is Eminem.
6: I, I mean, really think about it. That golden era, like that era between like the really, really late 80s, 89, 90, all the way up to like the early 2000s. Then you think about these cats out now, like these weirdos, like like Young Thug and Rich homie Coins. They couldn't thrive in that era. They couldn't They couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't even be a name or a
1: thought. Exactly, man. I, you know, I, I've said it, you know, a few times. I don't think I've ever said it on a show, but I've said it, you know, on Facebook amongst friends. For me, the last truly good year hip hop was fucking 2004. After that, it's just been tr- garbage to me. I don't I barely listen to the radio what? anymore. It's just been garbage for like uh, over a decade now. It, 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 the originality is just not there anymore. Every, once once we got to the point where the fucking studios and these record labels and execs decided it's better to manufacture fucking hip hop as opposed to letting it be like at that street level and kind of like where the creativity was strong and you did it out of passion and and, and out like genuine love, that's where like we the game lost its way. That's where hip hop oh, wow. really lost its way. Like, and it's like the cats out there that still had that passion, they don't have that kind of buzz. They don't have that kind of publicity. Like to me, a guy mm-hmm. like Jada Kiss should be like fucking multi-time platinum, a, a multi-platinum artist, fucking seven, eight times over. But he, he he's, he's, he's not he's got not got going to conform to like that fucking uh the corporate nature that hip hop is now. He ain't.
6: I know. I tell you something. When you said 2004, I kind of wanted to go ahead and kind of look at the albums that came out that year. That um, year, you were not lying, man. Some bomb albums came out that year. One of my favorite albums of all time came out that year. Oh, what that, was on that? That T. I that T.I. Urban Legend. Oh oh yeah
1: yeah yeah. But I mean I mean I, I like T.I. But you know just overall I mean. Can any can any of us name like put it to you like over the last uh, five ten years? Can you name anybody mm-hmm. that's going to have the kind of longevity where twenty years from now somebody's going to do a podcast dedicated to the life and times of Lil Wayne, life oh, and times of Drake, on. Meek Mill? Oh like, no, no, I mean, hey. that's what I'm trying to say to you. Like, regardless of where you stand on like Tupac's uh, music, his legacy, the fact of the matter is, twenty years later, we're still talking about him. I can't name one cat that's going to be like, ugh, that 20 years from now we're going to talk about in in, in the same reverence. I just can't. Yeah,
6: yeah, absolutely right. Now, maybe the only person who got a shot, maybe Kendrick. Maybe Kendrick. If you just keep dropping just classic albums, possibly. There's it, only a couple guys that I really, like, just really feeling this out right now. Kendrick, Cole, that, dude, it just falls off.
1: I definitely definitely I, I mean i you know i guess not to like belabor the point but yeah it, it's just it's not the same and and part of the reason why i really wanted to do this show tonight was just to kind of like because i'm a tupac fan number one and number two just to kind of point out to the to, the, to this younger generation like how much hip-hop not only has changed but just evolve for the worse. and how we really had—I mean, nobody kind of like you hear him wrestling all the time. Pass the torch, pass the torch. Biggie and Pac wasn't along, wasn't around long enough to pass the torch to anybody. As a matter of fact, they were still in their prime, but nobody kind of assumed that mantle. The I'll say like a guy like Jadakiss did, Eminem did, Jay Z did to a point, but he basically became the new king in New York by default. I mean, I, I like Jay, but we can all agree that he became the king in New York by default.
6: I I never barely even considered him because I don't even put him above DMX. To be honest with you, damn.
5: Wow.
6: <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I usually you go through DMX's catalog. I'm people sleep on X for some reason. I think it's because the crack. But um, yeah, because
3: he's insane. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, but uh we've been going like, wow, we could talk about Pac all day. But uh, (laughs) anybody got any uh, closing thoughts on uh, Mr. Shakur? Like, where do you think his legacy stands 20 years later? Do you think he's going to be, like, everlasting? Do you think in another 20, every 20 years, we're going to do, like, a Tupac tribute show?
3: I'll say it like this. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on anybody's toes real quick, but I'll tell you like this. My 15-year-old daughter comes to me quoting Tupac poetry, legitimate poetry, not rap songs, but his poetry. Uh, that says a lot to me. Wow. And then did she
1: discover Tupac on her own, or did you kind of introduce her? How did that work?
3: I didn't even... She's... Uh, man, this... She comes home from school saying that, like, I guess a lot of the kids are into Tupac. Um, I mean, the, the legacy lives on. There are There are kids in her class named Tupac and named Shakur and Shakura and she's confirming that yes they are named after Tupac wow so so yeah he's 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 immortal at this point Hmm.
0: that's crazy man now let me just quickly say I'm like I said before not a fan of much hip hop rap it's just not my thing I'm i'm more of i'm i I'm more of a talk radio guy, obviously the guy from
1: Texas doesn't like rap I'm shocked <laughs> <laughs> he he out out. In Houston?
0: look, I've only been in Texas for a while, all right. I was in <laughs> Florida for a long time.
1: You're not from Houston, but you rap a lot, yeah, exactly. a lot. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah
0: but uh you know he you know I said this earlier in the show. He had, Tupac had words to say. It wasn't just this shoehorning a rhyme into the fucking song to make it matter. It was, uh, he had a lot to say in his songs, a lot to say in, in, in his interviews. He was an intelligent guy, and it carried over to his music that he was an intelligent person with his lyrics. So, I really think that, uh... You know, anyone like that, even, you know, I'm going to kind of tie him into a person like Bruce Lee, who has, you know, many people may not know, not know Bruce Lee, but they, they've heard statements he said. So even if, you know, you don't like Tupac's music, you can at least, you know, appreciate that he had a lot to say. And it was, you know, said well. We said earlier the word "eloquent." He was a very, very eloquent speaker, even in his music. Mm-hmm. So there you go.
2: And I, I'll throw my Yeah, I was gonna say I was just my last two cents in there. I think there's a couple of reasons why. Like modern artists, even, you know, more successful ones aren't going to have the type of impact that he had, because it seems like nowadays the, the ventures that they're trying to pursue outside of just music is a lot different. They don't, you know, it's not about like writing poetry. It's about like charging $80 for a $20 bottle of liquor because their name's on it. Or because, you know, fucking hawking headphones and fucking shoes and whatever the case might be out to people that, you know, that's what their pursuit is outside of music with a lot of rappers nowadays. And also, I think with the advent of like social media, you might have somebody say something that's political or poetic, but there's not any vent or any filter. So they might say some one or two things that are really intelligent or really on point but then you know like like kanye west is gonna say you know why aren't more men wearing my fucking leather skirts or you know jesus (laughs) shit like that you know they're gonna gonna say off the wall shit that'll completely contradict themselves and you know dilute their message
0: yeah 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 all right so who (laughs) else we got left here curtis what you got man I'm sorry,
6: I'm still tripping off the <laughs> All right, oh, uh,
0: stop.
6: <laughs> okay, <clears throat> no, but uh, like I was saying at the beginning, you know, Pot, a lot of different layers, a lot of different sides, and a lot of different people look at him in a lot of different light. The only thing I take from him is that you dropped a lot of good songs to me, spoke to me, a lot of good lyricism, a lot of good poetry, hard work ethic, and that's what he leaves behind
1: nice. Uh, That's a real quick Weaves threw out a quick question. I guess Mm -hmm. we can uh, do a quick rapid fire. Sure. Would Tupac be involved in politics if he were alive? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Damn. Good question. I... Okay, this is a tough one. Maybe not involved influential in politics? Definitely. Influential most definitely.
6: Oh, yeah, I don't see him running for like a, a actual position. or like I'll right. say anything like that, but he would be a figure.
0: Definitely, yeah. That's what I was saying. He would definitely yeah. influence millions of people on how to vote. And oh, yeah. yeah, I I definitely believe that. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and yeah, definitely.
1: I believe he he basically would have been. You know, Bobby box you guys a little older than the rest of the panel here but I think he would have been our generations and I'm talking about myself smart Curtis he probably would have been our errors like Jesse Jackson Al Sharpton because in turn or even you know I hate to put him in that category because it's two different things but if you really think about the influence that he had over people not just the black community but overall Mm -hmm. he really was this generations Dr. Martin Luther King to an extent just in a different kind of way
0: I, I, I see your tie in there. I got gotcha. you. Yeah.
6: I think he would have been a lot more like, like Chuck D. Like a lot of the things that you think. Oh yes, Chuck yes, doing after public enemy. Mm. He wouldn't have been a lot like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he might have even been this uh this generation's K R S one, like Bobby was saying earlier.
3: So. I believe so. I yeah. believe he was I believe he would have eventually and maybe this is just you know, hopes if he was still alive. I believe he would have phased out of the uh, the whole thug and gangster image. I think he would have phased mm-hmm. out of that. I really definitely.
0: think he would have been a very successful actor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that probably, you know, would have been where he headed uh someone in the, uh, the chat room earlier was asking if that's where the obvious was headed definitely yeah, obviously, obviously he was going to be headed into that role and that yeah. that that genre and i i, I really think that would have been good for him yeah but yeah. um just didn't happen didn't happen and uh you know we've talked a lot about it tonight that maybe you know some of his uh Wanting to live the life was his downfall, so.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, he definitely would have gone the acting route. You know, this is just my little wrap up. Uh, probably the most critically acclaimed movie that he did, and then when I say critically acclaimed, I mean like everybody was just like, "Wow!" He opened up Hollywood's eyes. It was a movie he did called Gridlocked, okay. and uh, we're gonna. I I I actually want to review that. You know, on one of the on a future episode, mm-hmm. but uh. That was one of those movies where if you actually see it, I'm not going to get into it right now, but it really kind of, once again, if Juice kind of like... was, If that was his introduction, fucking uh, this movie, Gritlock, literally blew the doors open. And I believe that was actually the last movie he made in terms of production before he passed away. That and Gritlock, It was between those two. Hmm. I can't remember which one came first, but Gritlock was his most critically acclaimed flick. Check that out. Wait, which
6: one are you asking about? Which came before?
1: Which one now? Uh, I think... Uh, his last movie that was released was gang related, cause it was actually dedicated to. Yeah, it.
6: gang related was um about to, was the last one, and Grid Life was uh, before
1: it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got my um uh, I got I got the timeline mixed up. But in terms of like critically acclaimed, like if you just Google search it, like that's the one that gets like the most props. I mean, Roger Ebert, Siskel, Gene Siskel, like all of the bigwigs. Like, wow, Tupac impressed me in this. Like, because it was a departure from, because up until that point, he was only doing like the thug roles, whether it was juice, whether it was a butter rim, bullet, he was basically playing like variations of that Bishop character. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. But he's more of a sympathetic character. Yeah, it kind of, I mean, it kind of like got back to that poetic, his, his roots in poetic justice where he showed like a, a softer shot to his character where he actually took a break from like being like the tough guy yeah i haven't
0: seen gridlock or the other one but i'm gonna fucking watch them both man yeah definitely i'm definitely. gonna watch them both and weebs in the chat is saying that bullet was a good one also i'm gonna uh i'm just gonna go and to gang related too i don't know if you saw it with jim belushi that was fucking great. that's the other one that you guys uh, someone in the chat mentioned it way earlier and i said i've got to check that out I'll just go to IMDb and check out some Tupac movies that I want to see. Yeah, so... It
1: very small, so you can actually watch them in like one setting if you <laughs> want to.
0: I still got to finish watching Rookie Blue, man. <laughs> so, on, I, that, yeah. on that note, Tupac yeah. will live forever. On the, yeah, and on that note, uh, let's go ahead and uh, get on out of here. So, uh, as usual, check out THC Movie Review on iTunes, of course, THC Movie Review, on Facebook, facebook.com, slash, guess what, THC Movie Review, go ahead to YouTube, same thing, Twitter, same thing, just follow us on THC Movie Review, guys, thank you all for calling in, Curtis, appreciate your help tonight, uh, thank Smart no Bobby. Appreciate you hanging out, guys. I know it's late. And uh, that's it. We will see you guys next week on THD Movie Review. Later.